And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Man, you need to fucking spend some days with Josh Thompson. <laughs> Learn something, goddammit. No, I'm serious. You know what? I mean, it's so... Josh knows. How many guys wow. do you know? That wow, that's pretty impressive. Fucking... That I... How did that taste coming out of your mouth? No, that <laughs> like out. vinegar. You know, you know, I want you to know that, that that makes me feel really good that I know yeah. that you have been smart. You set yourself up. Yeah. You're, you know, and it's not like you're relying on that. You're still working towards doing other things. Yeah. But this is what see guys think it's going to be there forever. It's not, man. And I see I know so many guys that you know. How many do you know that are broke? Yeah. And have no. nothing. The Mark Coleman's of the world, the fucking Phil Baroni's of the world. Yeah, but look, I can look at those guys and say simply that that did they never at that time in this stage of their career, there was not a lot of money in the sport. That's the not thing. That's that's much, that's no. what the difference is. I mean, he was a champ for how many fights? I mean, what, some like five or six times. He was a Who? four wasn't Tyron Woodley like five or six time defending champion? Oh yeah. So yeah. I know he fought Thompson, Stephen Thompson twice. So that's two. Thought Stephen Thompson twice. Thought, thought, uh, oh, no, he fought Lawler. He won against Lawler. He fought Darren he Till. Won against I, Lawler. You know what Darren I mean? So he won the title. I can't think of and... who else. Maya, Damian Maya, I think, right? Did he fight Damian Maya? Uh, did he fight Damian Maya? Damian Maya. Oh, so yeah, like, it was fucking but, horrible. But I'm simply saying, like that kind of money, that kind of money when you're the champ, it comes in and like you just blow. I don't know. You just blow through it. It's not something that. You just got to realize that and it's not going to be there forever. You said that already. But on top of it, it's um, you can't try to keep up with everyone else. And and people try to live that that it's not even so much that lifestyle of like that they're they're Sylvester Stallone or but they want to be they want to go to those things. They want to be part of those things. I never had the urge to do it. And I'll give you a, I'll give you something that happened right now. Like I've done two movies. I was the lead in two movies. OK. And I, I didn't go look for roles. OK. I. And that was the thing. Like I didn't, I didn't go look for roles. They actually got brought and approached to me. So when the whole thing happened, um, I was like, I almost try, I tried to talk myself out of doing it. I was like, nah, nah, because I, I had to do them in Asia. So I would have been. I spent uh, almost ten weeks in China the first time doing the first movie, and I spent another eight weeks in China doing the second movie. Like that's a long time to be away from basically everyone you know, and then the time change, the difference, everything like that. And it wasn't great money. I did it for the experience, but I didn't go look for those roles. They actually found me. And just today I got hit up saying, hey, would you like to have maybe like a reoccurring part in a, a TV series? And it's a pretty popular TV series. I'm going to let it remain nameless until if anything happens with it. But I don't rely on these type of things. Like if it comes up, it's like, sure, it sounds wonderful. But you know how many times it doesn't come to fruition? You know how many times oh, like God. you have these, conver these conversations? Like it's crazy to think like when you see someone in a role – They've probably been talked about that role about 50 times, but it never came about. Never came about. And then finally one time it came about and you see them on TV. It's just, it's to think that like, you know, people, I know people, you know, I, I'll give you an example. Kung Lee. He tried to live that movie star life as in terms of like he got into some movies, had some big roles in some movies. But then after those movies had dried up, he continued to he, he just continued to keep going down to L.A. and trying to get parts. Sometimes auditioning. Then they, like you get down there, you fly from the Bay Area to L.A. Like it's a two hundred dollar flight. Normally it's last minute, so up the price. Say it's a three hundred dollar flight, and you do that 
you know, once a week for a month, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money out and you didn't get any of the roles. Then what? It's like yeah. you just spend all that money for no reason. And it happens all the time to people. That's why people move to LA to live there, but it's so expensive to live in LA. Like it is expensive to live here in the Bay Area. You just can't do it. I, I, just, I didn't never wanted to live that lifestyle. Sure, I would love to have a, a reoccurring role in a TV series. That'd be amazing. But the thing is, I also am like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Go on with your life. You got to stick with what you do really well and what you love doing. I love doing this. I love, this is what I enjoy, sitting at the at the bar with you sometimes after a fight for about two hours, you know, eating, yep. chick, eating chicken strips and fries and drinking a couple of beers and having a conversation about how the night went. That to me is fun, you know, and, and sure, all the other things are great, but it's not as important. It really isn't. And, and to put this all in perspective is, is just what happened to Kobe Bryant. I mean, it's it really does put things in perspective, like on on what happened, and like, and it can happen to anyone. And someone that was, everyone has been talking all day about it. And yesterday, and I was talking just real briefly um, <clears throat> with some friends today, and I'm like, man, death does not discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, no. black, white, yellow, green. It doesn't it does not care, and it will take you at any time it chooses to take you. And it's yep. um, it's really sad to to see and hear, you know, um, about the families that were lost there, as well as Kobe and his daughter, and and man, it's been just crazy today, all over social media, and just the, it's really sad. I mean, I still a little bit of a disbelief. I start seeing it on TV. And I'm like, man, I can't believe he's gone. Can't believe I was never a I was never a big Kobe fan. I admired what he did. Obviously, I was more of the Jordan guy. Like I, I grew up kind of watching Jordan, and then when I got a little bit older, I was fighting all the time. I didn't really watch a whole lot of other sports except for fighting because I was involved in the fight game. But, um, man, you, I, when I did watch him, I was in awe, you know, of him and a bunch of, uh, you know, some other players, but him specifically because he mimicked a lot of what Jordan did. <clears throat> and he... He improved upon a lot of what Jordan did. Yes, he did. Very true. It's Come funny. On, that, man. It's funny that you said that. It's true. You know... You know, I, I, was a Laker, I was a Laker fan since I was a kid. And so, you know, I had my up and downs with the Lakers and when... When Jerry West, Jerry West is the one that did the deal that got Kobe. And I think it was Vladi Divas was one of the players that he gave up to get Kobe Bryant as a high school player. And because I think it was the Charlotte Hornets that had drafted him and he traded for him. And I thought, man, this, you know, I'd, I'd watched him, seen him play out of Marion High when he was there and stuff. But, you know, he came in and, you know, yeah, he had it rough. You know, he's a high school kid among men. And, you know, that's that's so hard. But, man, he just, every year he got better. And he did things in a different way. And then he just improved on stuff. And then you heard about how how hard he worked. And that was the real thing. How hard he worked. Stuff. And I met, I met him at the UFC, you know, just shaking hands. Hey, very nice to meet you. I didn't know the guy. But, you know, I, I heard very, very inspiring things from a lot of people. And, you know, I, I used to give talks, and, and one of the things we talked about is, you know, that 86,400. That's, that's my number, and I talk about that number all the time because there's 86,400 seconds in a day, and once they're gone, you'll never get them back. And, and yeah, they're, hopefully there's tomorrow, but you never know when that bank account of 86,400 is going to be closed off from you. And, you know, it's so unfortunate. I, I mean, I feel bad for Kobe. God damn, do I feel bad for his wife. Do I feel bad? You know, she lost a, a husband and she lost a daughter. Yeah. And that little girl, you know, at 13 years of age, had so much life to live, had so many things to accomplish. <clears throat> and uh, the other people around that, I feel so bad for them. And you know, because I was taken off from LAX 
Yeah. You know, just about at the same time that he took off, I guess, from Orange County mm-hmm. in the helicopter, and, and it was foggy. You know, and I don't, I don't think anything about it. It's you know, big planes, and I'm not, I wasn't worried about anything, but it was kind of foggy out there, and you know, unfortunately, I don't know what happened, and they'll, they'll figure it out in the end. But you know, he got that helicopter because he was missing things, and it was the, that simple thing of time, that time that he was spending on the freeways. It's the same reason I left LA. I got tired of sitting on the freeway, wasting time. And that's why he ended up starting to travel all the time through helicopters because, man, save time. And he could do more with his family. And you look at everything and, you know, it's a guy. And I, I talk about people all the time that there's certain people that have they touch people. And it could be, you know, you just meet the person for 10 seconds. It could be that you spend a day with someone. It could be that somebody is someone that becomes part of your life. But that guy touched a lot of lives. He made a lot of things good for a lot of people, and, and it's a shame that a life that was a good life and a life that helped others was cut short. So I feel really bad for the family members, and you know I feel bad for the fans because man, you know that you never think about it until they're gone. Yeah. You know, and it's like the whole you know we talk, you and I have talked about the Hall of Fame thing, and you know the NFL's got the five year thing, and so I think the NBA does too. And now they just said they're they're cutting that, and Kobe's going to be put into the Hall of Fame, and that's all great and well and nice, but he never knew that he was. I mean, he knew he was going, yeah, but he never received that accolade, and that's too bad. Yeah, I feel like when you know someone is a first round ballot, first ballot Hall of Famer, you should just automatically, when they announce their retirement, just induct them in. I mean, I, I see there's no reason to allow it <clears throat> to go any further. Everyone knew he was going. I mean, there was no, yeah. and he was going to be a first. It was. It would happen as soon as the five-year mark was up. He would go first. Yeah. Um, the, the story that always sticks out in my head, and I can't remember who the player was, but they had walked into the training room, and and they started just drilling their shots, and they were drilling their shots. And Kobe had walked in uh, probably about five minutes after they did. Not even that long, he said, and um, and. Kobe, they had been the, the guy. The kid was in there for quite a while, and he was waiting for Kobe to leave until he left because he wanted to that show ain't Kobe. <laughs> he wanted to wait, and so he was waiting for Kobe to leave until he left, and he would leave with them or right after him to show that he was working hard. And after about four hours, he realized that <laughs> he realized that Kobe wasn't leaving, and so so he left. And Kobe paid no mind to him either. He just kept doing his drills, kept doing his exercise, kept doing his work, kept working on his craft. And it was just one of those things. I'm not going to let you realize, let you think that you're that you work harder than I do. And yeah. it's something so small. And whoever yeah, it was I can't, the mental I, thing. Yeah, and whoever that player was, though, he ended up talking to him after. He's like, "No, he's like, I knew what you were doing. He's like, that's why I stayed as long as I could. He's, like, I stayed until you left. He's like, and it didn't matter how long you would have stayed, I would have stayed there." And once I, that's that mindset of that that mental mentality that you need to have when you're going to be a professional athlete, and every professional athlete needs to understand that. And it's pretty it's pretty rare that you get it. And I, I look, I, I never met him. I know I didn't shake his hand. I don't know anything about him. I, I watched him obviously in awe on t- on TV playing basketball, and. Um, I never really was a big basketball fan. I loved basketball when I was a kid because of Jordan. But then when Jordan left, I kind of just lost it a little bit. Was, eh, and then I started fighting and just things overtook my life and I just what didn't pay attention as much. 
but you always you always saw in the highlights because I watched I watched a ton of ESPN, you know, to catch myself up on the sports. And he was there was never I think a night that went by you didn't he wasn't on there every you now every time basketball season was going on he was on there and just doing spectacular things and it's sad and it's not just sad because he's gone but it's sad because his 13 year old daughter is gone who had, sounds like had a very bright future in this, in in the, potentially in in basketball. You know, and um, <clears throat> I was hearing a story today about how a fan had come up to him and said, "Oh man, you and your wife got to have one more. You guys got to get oh, that boy. I know that story. You got to get. One. You got to get that boy. You got to get that boy. You need a boy to carry on the legacy." And then his daughter yeah. stepped up, stepped to the front I of him. Got goes, this. I got this. <laughs> you love that man. That to me That's was just awesome. It sent chills down my spine. I was listening yep. to. I was listening to on the radio, and I was like, "This is this is awesome, man." And I, I get a little, I get, uh, honestly, like I said, I don't know him, but it kind of, it makes you sad. It makes me really sad to think. And it, like I said, a death doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care who you are, what you make, and it doesn't care what color you are, nothing. And I think as a, as, as humans, we need to remember that and stick together and, you know, and, uh, and all politics aside, we need to remember that it's about us. Remember that it's, you know, to be friendly to each other, be kind to each other and, and, um, and spread positivity. You know, that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing I think we could we should take away from all of this, you know. And good be, message. Yeah. Um. Okay. We had we had a really good weekend. We I felt yeah, like we I had felt, a good weekend. Felt like we let's had a good weekend. Off, let's start it off with how was your time on JRE? <laughs> oh, I mean, I you tried. You started a shit storm. I, I want <laughs> you to know that, and I am so fucking proud of you for doing it. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> that. And that shitstorm is not stopping. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I love it. I honestly, I honestly. This didn't, is all about that positivity part. Yes. <laughs> I I didn't. I didn't. Uh, all I did was post. I was like one of the first guys. Basically, I think I was like one of the first guys. Probably, you know, to post that video of Stephen A. Smith hitting mitts. And, oh, it's awesome. And Rogan hit me up. He's like, "Hey, we gotta talk about this <laughs> when you're on the show." Because <laughs> we were, I was going on the show the next day. I posted it on Tuesday, and he just was in cracking up. And I had watched, when I watched the UFC, I had watched the awkwardness. It almost seemed like the awkwardness he felt between, standing between the two commentary, one Stephen A and I don't know who the other guy is. Um, he was standing between them and listening to Stephen A say the things that he said about Cowboy. You could see his face was like, ooh, I can't believe you're saying this right now. And so when we had talked... Um, you know, there was a lot to be said. And I, I felt like when I posted the video and I put the comments down below, but you shouldn't be questioning people, especially if you have if you haven't done the work that he's done to be in there. And and it was very firm and I was very I, and I say I'll say this about every fighter. And when I talk about positivity and I talk about positivity on, on Joe Rogan's show, it strictly is like I may not agree with the way you decide to fight the fight. I may not agree of you know, with some of the guys I don't there's guys in this sport I don't get along with. But I try not to say yeah. I, yeah, I try not to say things about them in a negative light when it comes to you know their fighting style or the way they fight. I'll give you an example: is Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee was having issues with his you know conditioning, his cardio, whatever it is, and his performances. But he was a rock star for the first round. I did a full show about him and what he he needed to find another mentor because Robert Follis had passed away his head coach and now i feel yep. like he has found that at TriStar and it was just shortly after that it all happened that he just he seemed lost and i said i don't know i don't think if it's i don't know if it's his cardio i don't know what it is if he's just not getting the attention at the gym 
he's someone that maybe just needs someone to, to give him more structure in, in his fighting style, his fighting game, whatever it is. But something is not working at, wherever he was training in Vegas. I believe it was an extreme couture. And it's just not working for him. He needs to find. And when he went to TriStar, we saw him fight Gillespie. Faraz Zahabi gave him, it seems like, gave him something that he really could use to, to, to give him direction in his fighting style. And it, it showed in that fight. And now maybe it won't show moving on. I don't know. But we're going to see. I feel like a kid with that amount of talent um, has the, the sky is the limit for him. He just needs direction. He needs good coaching. He needs someone to guide him in, in, in the fight game. Give him a fighter IQ. And... Um, and I, th I think when someone like Stephen A. comes out and says the things he said, you're really crushing a guy. It doesn't matter. Fighting is not like if I if if I play a team sport, I, I other people are to blame, not just me. You know, and this is the fighting game. And sure, you can blame your coaches and your corners, which sometimes I do, and, and I did it. I, I do it sometimes. You got to make the adjustments during the fight, but ultimately, it's the fighter, and it's the fighter who's the one that. He, a most majority of real, most majority of the fighters, they never try to blame other people. Majority, some do, but majority of them try to take the blame on the chin. You know, um, I don't think there's ever been a time in my career where you know I, I turned to my corner and said it's your guys' fault that I lost. Because at the end of the day, if something's not working and your coach is telling you to do it and it's not working, it's you that needs to make the adjustment in the cage, not not them. You need to do it. You know, you need to know that it's not working what they want me to do. And the fact that they didn't tell you to do it doesn't mean that you can't change it yourself. You know, and um, it just, it seemed like Stephen A was, he had called him, a, he had basically had called him a quitter. I don't, he obviously didn't know the extent of the injury, a broken orbital and a broken nose. And, and how much that changes the dynamic of how you fight. That change, he said, oh, he should have circled. He should have got away get away i'm trying to figure out whether i lost my eye or not you know what i mean like a broken <laughs> a broken orbital makes you feel like you just can't see it's double vision sometimes triple vision you got you're seeing four sometimes, of them three of them you can't see sometimes you can't see it all i mean and then not to mention the pain from what i understand from cost check he's he's told me he's like you don't get it it was excruciating pain and then every time i got hit on it he's like i seriously almost i never felt that amount of pain in my life he's all, and i started wondering am i causing more damage to the point where i'll lose my eye and as the fight went on you started noticing cost check he just stopped fighting he just started circling and staying away and with cowboy he never got a chance survival. yeah he never got a chance he yeah. never got a chance to, to feel that. And so when I hear someone like Stephen A say that, and then he posted that video, I'm like, oh, come on now. Well, but when you look at, just think of it this way. I wish it was, you know, I wish it was a different fighter because Cowboy won't do anything, but there are fighters out yeah. there. You know, Nate Diaz, say it about Nate. Yeah. Say it, say it about George Masvidal. <laughs> now, George, George Masvidal just fought Ben Askren, you know, not his last fight, but, you know, and... That fight lasted five seconds. So you didn't learn anything about George Masvidal in those five seconds? Because he didn't learn anything about Connor in those 40. Yeah. All right? That's what he's saying. And it, it, and this is where this is where my problem lies. You know, we all, you, I, we're all wrong about something. Somewhere along the way, you're going to be wrong. I'm going to be wrong. And, I t you know, when, I, when I'm teaching guys how to do something, especially, you know, officiating, I say, hey, you got to be able to say, I was wrong. I made a mistake. You know, let me fix that. And how do I fix it? And when Stephen 
on the show and he did it twice. He did it when he was standing there with Joe Rogan and then he did it again when he was up with Bisping and Chael. And he said that the first one he was with Joe, he gave up. He gave up. And it's like, (laughs) man, no, he didn't give up. He got beat down. And it can happen to anybody. It can happen to a very good fighter. Michael Spinks fought Mike Tyson. He was undefeated. And he got beat down in 90 seconds. Yeah. 91. All right? Now, does that mean that everything that Michael Spinks did before, oh, he sucks? No. It just means, you know what? Michael Tyson hit him with a shot that he couldn't recover from. Yep. And that was the... From that point, the wheels are coming off of the train and it's going down, you know? And what Stephen A. Smith doesn't have, he doesn't have the fucking fortitude to say, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I made a mistake in saying that. And he's trying to cover up what is a mistake. You made a mistake. You said something you should never say because that is not what occurred. Now, is it possible that a fighter can quit? Yes, it is. But that's not what you saw. Mm-mm. You saw a guy get beat down by a guy who was just, he did the right things, he landed the big shots, and the other guy was unable to recover. And when you're someone, you know, Michael can be what, I mean, uh, Stephen A. Smith can be whatever he wants to be because he wants to be bombastic, and he wants to be the guy that is creating controversy. So I think he kind of likes it. But now... He has no idea what the world of MMA is and the people that watch it. Because it ain't going to, you know, this is a a tidal wave doesn't have to be real tall. It's just that it keeps on flowing at that level. Guess what, Steven? Congratulations. The level ain't going to change. And when you're sitting there then saying that you can fight with Joe Rogan, (laughs) you have just stepped into a pool that you're sinking, son. Stop. You look like a fool. You're talking like a fool. Quit being a fool and just say... I made a mistake. Yeah, I looked at it that way as well as the fact that Joe hit hit the nail on the head when he is used to that 30-minute quick talk radio nonsense. And when you're there cage side calling the fight right there with someone and talking about it right after, we don't need your two-second quick quotes to make yourself sound like you know what you're talking about like you do for other sports. It's just a, that that's that there's no place for that, I think, in combat sports itself, you know, um, and that's exactly what he was giving us. I didn't see anything. Ah, 40 seconds. I didn't learn anything. Like, it, it just it just was one of those. It was it was one of those clickbait material type conversations. But someone's someone has to go through a war for him to see something. Yeah, that makes you stupid. Yeah. And Joe, Joe hit it on the head. But here we are now talking about him. So it worked. Exactly what makes him popular. Here we are talking about him, and it worked. He did. He got exactly accomplished what he wanted to get accomplished. He wanted yeah. us, whether it's good or bad, and we've heard this for years. Any news is good news. Okay, it's true, good or bad. It's, I'm in the news. Any news is good news, and that's exactly where he's at. Instead of just easing his way in to to the fight fans, he jumped in with with the persona of like, I'm Stephen A and I'll continue to be the way that I am Stephen A, which I think is good. 
I, I think it's okay for him to continue to be that way. But I also think that you got to come with a little bit more knowledge than the fact of what you put out there on the table. And what you said was not knowledgeable. That's the thing. When you talk about basketball or or whatever else, whatever other sports you talk about, I think I, I've only heard you really talk about basketball. And But he talks a lot about LeBron. He talks a lot about uh, – used to talk a lot about other guys, you know, Kobe and those guys in the sport. And he would rip into them. And I'm thinking to myself, these guys are the world class, the best, the best players in the game, and you're acting like this because they had an off night. The, the, you know, yeah. all of a sudden you well, could be, you could beat them in one on one. That's because Stephen A. Smith never had an off night. He doesn't know what yeah. that's like. Right. Yeah, well, because you can't admit yeah, he human. can't admit to himself that he's he was wrong. That lets you know first that he's had a couple off nights. That's he's, exactly it. Can't admit to himself. Um. All those things aside, look, Stephen A. is Stephen A. He's I, 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 he just showed when he with his response to Joe Rogan that he's not going to change, you know. And the fact that he just got a new contract by ESPN lets you know that he feels warranted doing the things that he does because I just got paid pretty well and and re-upped on them like shortly before the ESPN deal. So he's like, my job is secure. He feels that because it's preposterous. Anyways, we're gonna get into that. <laughs> that was, hey, okay, but all right, two things you got to admit. Dean Thomas. <laughs> he played a great part. Outstanding parody oh, of Stephen A. and his excellent boxing skills with, with King Mo holding the mitts. <laughs> Dean Thomas, great. my hat is off to you. You were fantastic, oh, brother. I thought it was wonderful. It was, it was preposterous. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I said it was preposterous. It was... <laughs> Anyways, um, but, but here's my thing. Wh- who do we like? ESPN's are they? You think they're going to continue to use them? <clears throat> you think they're going to continue to use them, or do you think they're going to try to slide somebody else in there? Well, yeah, this is the part that doesn't make sense to me because why are you sliding him in there? Are you not sliding him in because he's knowledgeable? All right, he even admits I don't even know this. Okay, mm-hmm. which is absolutely truthful, and it's right. He doesn't know it. So you're not bringing him in based upon his knowledge factor. You're bringing him in because of what? Well, you're saying that he's got an appeal and a status with fans that brings a level of notoriety or a level of, okay, you know, attention because he's part of that production. Mm -hmm. If you're going to tell me that more people know Stephen A. Smith than know Joe Rogan, I'm going to tell you you're full of shit. Yeah. Okay? So right there, it kind of makes whoever the executive producer is saying, I want Steven on this, you're just not taking a look at what you have. Every time you've got Joe Rogan there, you've got someone that more people know than know Stephen Smith, and you have someone that absolutely knows the sport, someone that can talk about it in an intelligent fashion, someone that can give an expert opinion. And why are you bringing in a guy that – is nothing more than just a guy with a bombastic personality. Yeah. I didn't realize how big he was. I'd met him before, and I, he didn't seem that big to me in person. But I saw him standing next to Joe. I'm like, dude, you're really – it must have been in the hills or something. I, no, I, I, you know, it's funny. I met, I met him at the ESPYs. I yeah. met him at the ESPY Awards, and we shook hands. You know, and this, that was a couple years ago. And he's he's like my size. He's about 6'3", six, six, I, I, I met him at the Connor fight. I don't recall him being that big. <laughs> oh, he's tall. Yeah, yeah. Not I, big. Yeah. I mean, I don't some recall. Anyways, all that stuff aside, the stuff that was going on, all the stuff, the guy that you posted in the snow on your Instagram. Oh, 
awesome. Oh my gosh, man. I just was Dude, cracking up. Style. The guy that made, he made a dance move out of his combination. And he was like, out in the snow. Awesome. It was great. It was phenomenal. If you guys haven't checked it out, John McCarthy MMA, correct? Yep. Go John McCarthy MMA on, awesome. his, on his Instagram. It's phenomenal. Instagram it was, or Twitter. It was so funny, man. I was cracking up. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was that Joe, the Joe Rogan. That's the, we started off with that because it got so much, um, so much play on Instagram. It was on fire by the morning that I went on to Joe's show. So Joe, start, we started off the show with that. It was hilarious, good times. Then we moved into you know talking about Brendan and the comparison to, um, you know, UFC guys with uh, against Bellator guys, and and it's yeah. it, it finally we had been able to have the conversation, but then. Uh, Brennan hit me up today and said, "Well, let's uh, maybe let's continue this conversation on our food truck diaries." So I think we'll be doing Brennan's show sometime, maybe this week, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll try to get that out uh, on the food truck diaries. We're basically gonna battle. He's gonna continue to tell me that UFC guys are better than Bellator guys, and and I'm gonna continue to tell him that he's wrong. <laughs> That's um, it, he's look, right, he, but you know. Look, He's right. There are UFC guys that are better than Bellator guys. And there's Bellator, and there guys, are Bellator that are be- guys that are better than UFC guys. That's yeah. where he's making his mistake. Well, the and, mis- and he, he's going off of the fact that you have to fight in the UFC for someone to say that you're good. That's yeah. ridiculous. The other yeah. part that he's that he's not considering is, and he's right about one thing with the UFC is, man, these guys are having to fight killer after killer after killer. Yes, that's true. You, you're you're. Uh, as you're moving up or if you're that top dog, you're getting just another great fighter coming after you in the next fight in the next fight. And, you know, Brendan, that's why you get beat down in fights and your career is shortened. That's yeah. not a good thing for the fighter. It's a good thing for the fan and it's a good thing for the promotion. It's not a good thing for the fighter. Yeah. You need to have, you know, the ability to take a step back every now and then and refresh and get yourself back and then come back. Unless you're that, you know, the champion always, that's part about being the champion is you are always going to be fighting someone that is top notch. That's just the way it is. So Bellator has about 250 to 300 fighters on their roster. Yeah. Okay. UFC has about 600 plus. So they're doubling the roster. So basically, let's just say in each one of our weight classes, we have a top five category. You know, whereas the UFC has top 10 and top 15 because they have so many fighters on their roster. So, of course, those guys are going to have to continue to fight the best guys as they get to the top. Whereas our guys will fight two or three times and they'll finally be in that kind of like top five echelon. But then also what I've said to people is, like you just said, is that... If you lose one, you go back, you're fighting a tough guy, but you're not fighting world beaters the whole time. But I want to remind I want to remind people though of this. Conor McGregor didn't fight world beaters his whole life. Like his whole no. his whole career. He fought what the Seaver guy, he fought oh, the, he started uh, like a, let's go. He started off his uh UFC career started off with Marcus Brimage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is he, is now, he Marcus, still in the UFC? No. Okay. God, so no. so who's the next guy? No, no, just who's the next guy? Uh, I believe honestly, I think the second fight was Max Holloway, and I was that was the okay. fight when I had watched Connor when he was part. I think it was Cage Warriors. Yeah, he was Cage Warriors champion, and I saw him. I said, you know, he's good, but he, he's limited. And I saw him get beat by Joe Duffy, mm-hmm. and then he comes and he fights Brimage, and he dismantles Brimage. And I go, still not sure. And then when I watched this fight with Max, I go, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, 
He, he's 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 top tier fighter. He's good. Mm-hmm. And then he went on from Max. He fought Diego Brandao, and then he fought still with um, the UFC. Brandao still fight, with the UFC. Fought, uh, Dustin Poirier. Okay. And you look at what he did against Dustin Poirier. Yeah. No, Brandao's not with the UFC. There you go. Seaver's okay. not with the UFC. Brandao's not with the UFC. Brimage is not with the UFC. Dustin Poirier, he's still with yes. the UFC. That's it. Yeah. So you know, and, the, uh, the two but, guys, the two guys you mentioned though, Max and Dustin, right? Max went on to be the the champ, which was yep. and Max comes out openly and said, "Look, I when I fought him, a little bit of the shit talk got to me. Same thing with Dustin. Obviously, the shit talk got to him. Oh, um, but both of those guys are huge for the weight and ha- the weight cut. We could potentially say get to them. You know, Dustin ends up going up and does very well at at light at lightweight as well because of the weight cut. I mean, I when I, like I said I had talked to him for for I had trained with him for a little bit with Frankie Edgar, and the weight cut was a factor. He was fighting 145 pounds. He was walking around 185. That's insane. Yeah. That was insane. That was when he was younger. And I was like, I'm like, they're training with him. I'm like, I'm 172, 171. I'm like, man, you are huge for 145. There's no way I could put myself through that weight cut. So fighting those, those two guys learn from their mistake. Dustin eventually goes up because the weight cut was too much for him. You know, uh, I'm not saying that that's I'm not saying, look, my point is, guys like him didn't always fight world beaters. You go, people want to talk about Anderson Silva. He fought Travis Luter. He fought uh, Talos Latis. He fought, um, who did he fight? What was the other guy? Uh, there was a couple other guys. Patrick Cote. Yeah, you know, he came off of beating Chris Lieben in his first fight. Then so he fought Lieben. Franklin. You know, he beats Rich Franklin and, yep. and wins the title. Um, I'm not sure his next fight, if that was Travis Luter or not. It was right in there. I believe his next fight was Travis Luter at uh Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. So Luter was then, next. You know, and he he had something. You know, then he had Dan Henderson. So yeah, he had yeah. a really tough Nate fight. Nate Marquardt in there. That was in California at UFC seventy three. And then he had Patrick Cote. Cote. That, and then uh Thalas Latis. In between he had Rich Franklin and James Irving. James Irving, that was the name kid. I was that was the name I was looking for. Well, James Irving was that was thrown together. For, and that was done at 2.05 because Affliction was going to mm-hmm. have a show that had Fedor against Tim Sylvia and had you know just an incredible lineup. Josh Barnett and Ben Rothwell and Andre Arlovsky and Vitor Belfort, Matt Lillen. It had, and so Dana threw together this show to counter-program it that had Anderson Silva, the middleweight champion, but he fought James Irvin. Got it. <clears throat> But that, but what I'm saying is that these guys throughout their career have not fought the best guys. You know what I mean? Like tr- you're thinking. When I'm thinking in terms of like the guys that are world beaters, the, and the 185 pound division has always been a little. I feel like is a bit under under talented. Has not been the most talented of guys that have come up in that division. You know, you have Anderson, who is you know someone who sticks out. You know, John Jones, someone who sticks out at 205. But a lot of the weight, a lot of the guys below there, they're always they're kind of. They're not the best guy. At 170 and below, I've always said this, the 170 and below, I feel like they're a lot stronger. They're always stacked. They always have a lot of talent there, and you're fighting the best guys all the time. But when you brought, when when we're, ta- we're having this conversation about it, the guys at Strike Force, they weren't fighting the best guys all the time, but they were ended up proving that they were the best guys in the world when they came over. Yeah. You know? Um, so it does. I don't think that what Brendan's saying, it should hold any water when it comes to the fact that you don't need to fight the best guys all the time, especially with knowing that fighting is so mental. It's such a, it's so, 
It's it needs to be your confidence needs to be at an all-time high for you to perform at your best. When you're the champion, you should always be performing at your best because you're the champion. You can't get any higher confidence than being the champion. When you're the guy trying to get to the champion, it doesn't take much for your confidence to be killed. You can have a bad training session, a bad day, a bad, a bad camp, whatever it is, you're, you're, your confidence could end up getting shot. Ch- champs, they're just the, that that talent, mental, the champion mentality is that you're you're always confident because you're the champ. I'm the champ. There's no way this guy's beat me. I'm the champ. There's no way. And don't get me wrong. They lose. Obviously, we see it all the time. Eventually, everyone does. But they're they're the champ. And so, uh, to say that they're not almost to, yeah to say that the guy <laughs> guys in these other organizations need to fight the best guys all the time. I I think it's false. It's completely false. No, it's it, the the whole point is this. You know, Brendan. You fought in the UFC. Congratulations, that was great. Okay, you had you had a couple of good fights, but you know I can point out fights that he had against guys that beat him that lost to guys outside of the UFC. Uh, if if Brendan had fought, you know, back when he was fighting, if we they had brought Fedor Emelianenko over, is because Brendan is a UFC fighter. He's better than Fedor Emelianenko. He's going to win. Does that make sense? No. You're a UFC fighter. You're better. Come on, that's just, it. Just doesn't it doesn't add up? It's yeah. UFC has some really good fighters, and if you're gonna ask me, they have absolutely more depth as we were talking about about yeah. 600 fighters on the roster, yeah. especially in the lighter weight classes, because you know that's the you know the 145s, the 155s, the oh, 170s. Yeah. They're stacked with murders, a lot of talent, murders, a lot bro. of talent. Yeah, and as it gets higher, it's not quite as stacked. It's not you know, and it's but. You can't sit there and say because you fight for this promotion that makes you a better fighter. That's just a ridiculous statement and one that cannot be backed up. Now, they get more attention. They get more publicity. They get more out of the media as far as rankings and stuff, and that's okay. You know, that's just part of it. But it's just, you know, Anthony Pettis was the lightweight champion. He's having problems now. So if he came to Bellator, it's because he's no good? Because, well, Sergio, his brother, just came. And had a beautiful performance against a guy that we both know is very tough. Super tough. But let's take a look and say, because Sergio just came over from the UFC. Sergio just had beaten Joe Benavidez. So if Joe Benavidez becomes the UFC champion, that means that Sergio Pettis now would not be able to compete with him at all. Well, the reverse, on, lo- the re- the reverse logic is this. It's a ridiculous. guy, a guy who was the UFC champion. He was the WC champ. He was the UFC champ. He came over to Bellator and was on a losing Benson. skid. Benson Henderson. Yeah. What does that say? What does that say to you? Doesn't mean he was fighting murders row all the time. He was the champ for so long. Even beat guys at 170 there. Well, he can continue. He tried he to fight a guy once. Throw for a while. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I mean, he, his first fight in Bellator was just a dismantling. When he fought oh. Korshkov, it was horrid. Oh God, I felt so bad for him. I was watching on TV. I'm like, oh, just, just. I get. was watching closer than that. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> I bet you. Were. I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, this is not. This you should just like your corner should throw the talent like, before yeah, you, was, before it, you really get hurt. He didn't win around. I mean, and, and some of them were. He was close to being so. He just showed his toughness and who he was as a fighter, but just was just outdone by Korshkov in that fight. In in that yeah not in but then he ended up going on losing skid too at lightweight I mean he lost to Chandler yeah. he lost to uh, who else did he lose to but he's recovered and he's coming back now hmm? 
Patricky. He lost to Patricky. Yeah, he is coming back. Sometimes yep. you just got to settle in and, and get adjusted. Then he broke and, his leg, and so he misses his last fight, but, you know, yeah. that oh, can he, happen. Is that what happened? I didn't hear what Yeah, happened. he broke his leg when he was training for Chandler. Oh, man. I think that was kind of a blessing in disguise, to be honest, because a three-round so fight. I. He needs a five-round fight. Yeah, he needs a five-round fight against Chandler. Yeah. I, I don't think a three-round fight would have done him any good. Just yeah. my personal opinion. Um <clears throat> What else? But Brendan and I will just have to continue this conversation on his fruit truck diaries, and we'll see exactly what happens. Realistically, I mean, like the the best comparison would be Benson for him to understand that you know Ben fought Murders Row, continued to fight Murders Row there, and came over and couldn't beat the guys in, in Strike Force. You know, and let's not not to mention like he had a really really tough fight with Adam Piccolotti, which a lot of people thought that he lost, that Adam should have yeah, won. Very close. Oh, uh, it was a very close fight. And so when we're having this conversation, that's a classic example of why people should understand that. That the the Bellator guys are just as good as the the UFC guys or any other organization guys, you know. And when you trade away, when you trade away someone like Demetrius, you're just letting everyone know that you're not interested in having the best guys. You're interested in having <laughs> the guy. You're interested in having the guys that potentially will sell tickets. Put the butts in the seats. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. interested. I'm interested to see what's gonna happen with that division over there. You know, because Henry uh, relinquished the title or they stripped him of it, and then now with Joseph Benavides will be there fighting for it. But who do they have after that? I mean, I don't even who's know. Joe, who's Joe fighting for that? Title? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I've seen the guy fight. He's really scrappy, but he shouldn't be able to beat Joe. I mean, uh, it's got kind of a weird name. It's like the Figueredo or whatever, whatever that. Uh, his Figueroa. Uh, uh, um, hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. You, you've, uh, it's, you said um, the Figueroa? The Figueroa? Davison Figueredo. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I see. Yeah, no. I've seen him fight. I just yeah. I can't say his name. That's why I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just just being honest. Oh it's, no. Um. Uh, yeah. So I mean, other than that, like it was. Uh, I, I think that him and I will have plenty to talk about. We'll battle it back and forth, and um, that was what Joe and I talked about as well. And then we talked about the media credentials. We talked about media credentials for on why why. Um, what was the topic on? How did we start that topic? That topic was, oh man. Oh, you were talking about Dana. Basically, he sets the uh, the agenda, the not agenda the agenda. For the media, the they just follow it. What did you say, Dave? The narrative. Yeah, he he sets the narrative for. For he sets the narrative for the media for them to write, and then the reason why is because when you guys look back at the history of it all, basically. Dana had cut off the MMA websites and the media from coming to the events if they ever wrote anything bad about the show. If they said something bad about one of the Oops. fighters, they said something bad about the promotion, they said something bad about Dana. It was like these guys were removed. And and look, look, sure, and look sure dog. Yeah, sure dog. But then look what just happened to Ariel Hawani. He works for ESPN for Christ's sake. And I'm not a big I'm not trying to say I'm not an Ariel <laughs> fan, but let's be real. They were at where? Where were they at? And they put he put up T-Mobile Arena. They had signs up apparently of of Arahawani <laughs> everywhere. They had his picture where he couldn't go. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Wow, that's awesome. And this, but then they want, but then they wanted a a, a a interview with him and McGregor, so he got to walk past a lot of his pictures that were up on the wall. Oh, <laughs> man, that's great. Come on. Like the, the truth of what happens, and this is where people are going to say, oh, you see, you're a hater on the UFC. I don't no. care. I'm not a hater on the UFC. I no. love the UFC. Sure, dog. 
had a writer named Josh Gross. Josh Gross, you know, still writes, writes for the Athletic right now. He's got uh, he's got a podcast, and it's called uh, Point Gross or Gross Point Blank or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, but it was the Ultimate Fighter. I think it was season four. It was in fact the one that Travis Luter ended up winning the mm-hmm. middleweights. And uh, Matt Sarah ended up winning the uh, lightweights to get their chance, the welterweight to get their chance at fighting the uh, for the title, the uh, champion for the title. But you know those fights were all done, and we we would sign a paper with the production company that said, you know, if we put out, you know, information that uh, of you know who won any of the fights. We had to pay them $5 million, which I laughed at because, yeah. like, dude, you can take all of my earnings for my entire career. I didn't have $5 million. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah you ain't going to get nothing. But, yeah. you know, it was like, you know, we, and that was fine. I wasn't going to tell anyone. But somehow, and I don't know how, Josh Gross found out that Matt Sarah and Travis Luter were the guys that, were, that had won and were going to fight for the championships against George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva, and on a radio show, he said, well, you know, spoiler alert if you don't want to know, and then he put it out, and Dana exploded, and I don't blame Dana for exploding on that. I can understand why he was pissed, and he right away, you know, cut Josh Gross out of being able to come to any UFC, you know, uh, as a media person, and then he cut out Sherdog, taking away all the riders from SureDog, their credentials, and then he started doing it with other ones, you know, and then he attacked Loretta Hunt over an article she did about the UFC and their credentials for the fighters' trainers and their managers because, you know, Dana did, he didn't like managers, and so he started taking away the credentials for managers so they couldn't be in the back, so it was easy for Dana to go talk to the fighter without the manager there to, to represent their, uh, their client and stuff and it's 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 dirty pool it's smart i yeah. you know i don't blame dana i'm, I'm telling you i think that's smart move dana but it's dirty but you know and he got mad at her for that and so she lost all her stuff and it, he has always had this thing where he eventually got it to where the media they're afraid of him they're afraid of losing their ability to do their job to be able to go to the show to be there live to talk to fighters in person because you know, their employer, if they can't get into the show, their employer can look and say, well, we got to get someone that can go into the show. So they're going to you know, let you go. You lose your job and another writer gets to go in. So he's had an influence. And, you know, I I don't think it's right, but goddamn, I give him credit for doing it. <laughs> and I really do. You know, because the way of, if you can control the media, you can control the narrative. Yes. That's exactly what he does. And um, as, a, as a media, any media person who is covering um, that, they are supposed to kind of give their unbiased opinion on what they saw in the fight. Now, we talked about Stephen A. Giving your unbiased opinion, so we don't, I don't sound like a hypocrite here, I'm all for him giving his unbiased opinion about the fight. Okay? Yeah. But calling someone a quitter... That to me was yeah. different than giving your unbiased opinion. Like saying you he gave up. He saying he gave that. up. Yeah, I don't think you should say that about any athlete. Period. You know, I mean, unless the person legit just stopped on the stool and said, "No, I'm not yeah. going. I'm not answering and, the bell." And we've seen that. You could, you know, if you want to say that Roberto Duran gave up in the fight against Sugar Ray Leonard, you can say that he did. Yeah. He gave up. Okay. 
That is not what happened yeah. to Cowboy Cerrone. Okay? There was only one reason the fight ended, and it wasn't because Cowboy gave up, and it wasn't because, you know, it was Herb Dean was smart enough to say, you can't defend yourself, and my job is to protect you, yeah. and I'm stopping this fight. And he did that, and it was in 40 seconds of time, and that's because Conor McGregor is a damn good fighter that can hurt anybody quickly. You know, will he? Will, you know, could he do the same thing? What he just did, could he do that to Khabib? Yes, it's possible. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. No. But is it possible? Absolutely, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible that he could do that to. Kamaro Usman. It's possible that Kamaro Usman could do that to Connor. That's just fighting. That's just the way it is. But you don't sit there and say someone gave up when they've never given up in their life. Yeah. So the one thing that I, when I was talking with Joe, was this is he said, and I disagreed, um, but he said that if we were to put together a show between UFC, Bellator, and I, I included one and Ryzen as well. If we took those four shows and we put together like a super card, a year-end show, New Year's Eve, like how Ryzen and Bellator just did, you did one show of, let's just say, 15 fights, okay? Like an under, you know, a prelim card, all that stuff, and you come all the way up. He said that that one show wouldn't do as well as a Khabib and Connor rematch. He's probably right. You think so? Yeah, I think here. Here's the thing. My thought process is this: is if I put and I used Islam as a as a thing because he, he used Khabib as a star. Islam Makachev. Yes. Okay. If I, I'm not saying he should be the main event. I'm simply saying if I put Islam Makachev there, okay. But I'm saying like if I have Stephen Thompson versus MVP, I've got Islam Makachev. Oh, that's a good. That's the fight I want. Yeah, Islam Makachev against Michael Chandler. I've got. You know, patchy mix against somebody over there. I've got Patricio. Not let's not. We're not using champions then. So not Patricio. Okay, you can't use Patricio. <laughs> so then we'll get. We'll we'll use some. We'll use someone else. We'll maybe we'll headline it with a champion versus champion, so people like will tune in. So it could be Patricio versus Volkanovski or Max Holloway. I like that. You know what I mean? Love like we could have something like that. You could have Douglas Lima versus Usman as the main event, or oh. you know. What, whatever it is, you know, a steep A versus Bader, you know, like whatever you want to do to make this a main event, make it, but then you take, let's say you take Demetrius Johnson versus whoever wins their 125 pound title now, or even a rematch with Henry Cejudo. Okay. You take, you know, um, somebody else and now he's not the champion at 125. See what I did there? Okay. And you have Demetrius Trilo Johnson. Trilogy. You have trilogy a trilogy. You know what I mean? Like you take those fights. Now, when he says no, I disagree only because of this. Every four years, we watch this thing called the Olympics, a small little thing where they put everyone around and from other countries. Okay, and what is I, that? Yeah, yeah, see, exactly. Old people don't. <laughs> you guys created the Olympics, you old people. Thank you. Uh, but that was when they used to wrestle in, like, banana hammocks. <laughs> it was like, all right, man, wrestling in banana hammocks is good. Yeah, and so <laughs> it depends on what she looks like. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's the thing. If you take, I feel like when you take... The Jap, like, you know, Ryzen from their promotion and they market in Japan. That's a lot more viewership that we would normally get if it was just the UFC, you know, whoever versus whoever, C Connor and Khabib. And then you take Islam as well. You make, you take him. Maybe you even take another top Dagestan guy or Russian guy, you know, from over there. We've got a top uh, Russian guy also, too, the one that's fighting. Um, Amazov. Amazov. God, I, I don't know fighting why. Ruth. 
Yes. You Am- have a hard time with I know. Russian names. Why? Amosov, Amosov, you, 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 and then the other one. Nurmagomedov, and you got fucking Islam. Yeah. You, you got a bunch of them you're used to. Them. Anybody I see else, that. you can't say their name. Yeah, the one that's fighting, <laughs> the one that's fighting Ryan Bader. The one that's fighting Ryan Bader? Yes. Nemkov. Nemkov. God, I, don't, I, get, I think I get the two of them mixed up, and so I start. Vadim sec- Nemkov. That guy's a savage. Good God. Him and Amosov. Both of them are just fuck. But you take, you take. You take them as well. You can mix them in. We take guys from, you know, from the UK. Maybe even a guy. You take a guy maybe like Roy McDonald. Mix him in there if he comes from PFL. You take these and you get marketing dollars behind them all. But then you also take them from different parts of the country or different parts of the world. Now you're marketing in those other areas. Normally, like people... People from somewhere in Mexico or whatever, not everyone wants to see Connor and Khabib. Not everyone True. wants to see it. But now if we put fighters on that card from other countries, like you see in the Olympics, you're going to get a lot more people tuning in than you would if it's just those two people. Well, you're saying tuning. There's a difference between tuning in and paying money out for Yeah, a, but you know, you know well, not the, world, the rest of the people that actually buy pay-per-views – People don't realize that not the rest of the world buys pay-per-views. You've no. only got a handful of countries that actually pay for pay-per-view. The other countries just get it on TV or they That's stream right. or they stream it. Streaming. So they're not they're not paying for it anyways. So when you're talking about viewerships and pay-per-views, like we're talking about, you know, what well, you have Canada, Australia, Japan, uh, US I, and UK. I think, jo- I think Joe is going off of the he's going off the star factor. You know, oh, the, yeah. The, you know, he's going off of what it was called a Q rating. Mm-hmm. The people, if you take that guy's picture and you put it in front of somebody, do you know who this guy is? How many people are going to know who Conor McGregor is? Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. You know? And if you, you know, conversely, if you say, if you put, you know, you know, MVP against Stephen Thompson, which I think would be an incredible yeah. fight. I would love to see that. But you could take MVP's picture and not half of the people are going to say, yeah. You know, oh, I, that's that's Michael Venom Page that that we're able to say who Conor McGregor was. I agree with you. you know, he's just had a, you know, Conor's had a much bigger platform and been in more things, and there's a reason why he was at the Grammys and and Michael Venom Page wasn't. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's what Joe is going off of. Look, at you need stars to get put butts in the seats. <clears throat> And those stars of the magnitude of a Nurmagomedov and a Conor McGregor, those are going to outsell that specialty show with all those people. I'll say he's right, but the specialty show would sell, and it would yeah. sell a lot. And when you look at it, and this, you got to look at everything. You're balancing everything out. How much are you paying yeah. Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor for that show? Compared to what are you paying for these other guys? You know, everything balances out in the end, you know, as far yeah. as making money. So, you know, if 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 the Khabib Connor would make, you know, have more numbers in pay-per-view, I'll say, okay, I'm not I'm not sure it will make the promotion more money. In the end, how much money are you putting out? That's going to say a lot about how much you're going to take in. Yeah, you also have to remember this, though, as well. Stars are not, pay-per-view is not making what pay-per-views make from before. And I know they, I know recently they just fought. I do I do understand that. And if you're going to hit the highest number. Uh, but yeah. there, it's not going to, pay-per-views have changed dramatically since even they fought. And the number just keeps getting lower well, and lower. Just viewership just itself. It- yeah, but just to get a, a UFC pay-per-view now, you you first have to subscribe to ESPN Plus. Yeah. 
you know, so, you know, it's, it's a different world. And it's, my dad is, you know, one of the funniest ones about it. Cause he says, he goes, you know, I, I was just talking to, you know, Joey Coco Diaz on his podcast. And yes. he goes, I don't even know how to get this stuff anymore. He says, you got to go to this thing and you go to, and it, it's, they've made it where it's hard. You know, if you're going to watch a UFC show and you're going to be someone like you and I who watch every fight, I've got to go to UFC fight pass. I've got to be, I've got to have a, either a monthly or yearly subscription to fight pass. Then I can go to ESPN for, you know, the prelims there. And then I have to have ESPN plus and I have to buy it and get it on and then stream it onto my TV. And so it's not easy to do anymore, no. man. I mean, they're, they're making it to where you actually have to be fundamentally kind of sound in the technology department. But yeah, you know, it's, I think some of that with young people, that's no big thing. Older people, it's kind of a big thing. Yeah, it's, turn fu them off. it's funny you say that. I was actually watching the prelims for, I was trying to watch the prelims for the cowboy fight, cowboy and Connor fight. And yeah. I clicked on the prelims. It said cowboy Connor prelims on ESPN. I click on it. It was a college basketball game. Yeah, because that was overriding it in the beginning. Because it was the end of it, but it was still like six minutes left. So then I, I was like, shit, what do I do? Yeah. So I was flipping around and just so, so you, happens that I so ran. You had a, to find another channel that they had put it on. Yep. To actually watch it. And then you had to flip it back. Yep. And then <laughs> what, but that's pain. the thing. As soon as it came on the other, the original channel was supposed to be on, it shut off. Yep. And I was like, shit. I'm like, the only thing I can think of is they went back to the channel it was originally supposed to be on. So I flipped yep. back to that and there it was. But it's just, I was, I, it went to commercial when they changed it over. So when they changed it over, I missed like probably half the round because it took me a second to realize because I had got up and was doing some stuff in between the commercial break. I come back, I'm like, fuck, the commercial's still on? And then I, I, like, I, walked, <laughs> I walked back and started doing something else. I come back down, I'm like, fuck, it's basketball. Like it's, something else was on. I can't, remember, I can't remember what it was. Like how did the shit? I flipped it back to the, the original channel it was supposed to be on and yeah. there it was. Yeah, um... Yeah, I don't know. It just is one of those things. I, I, the the paywalls are there. The I, I, I there's a pain in the ass. But the I think the overall take of it though too is look maybe the first one I think with the marketing dollars may do about two million to two point four, it'll do well. But then as the companies start to grow, that will I think eventually do a lot better. Okay, than anything else. I think. Well, I, I think one of the big things and and Joe kind of brought it up is. It doesn't benefit the UFC. And he's right. It doesn't benefit the UFC. Right now. <clears throat> right now. And that's that's the whole thing. But eventually, you know, and you try to tell people this, you know, and obviously there's some companies that they've, they've been around almost forever, it seems like. But, you know, when you start a business, you know, and you've started business, I have. Mm -hmm. You start a business to, you know, make that business grow and to sell the business. Just the same as the UFC has been sold multiple times, you know, and Lorenzo bought it eventually to sell it. And he did at a great profit. <clears throat> Congratulations to him. You know, that's why he's a great businessman, but you to stay at the top is not easy. And everybody, you know, around you as they're growing, they're catching you because it's like pushing levels. It takes you so much time to get to this next level. It's easy down here to get into these levels and you can catch up fairly fast. And then, you know, as they're pushing through, then you're having a hard time pushing through those yeah. same levels, but you're close and that's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
-hmm. And eventually that's when I think you're going to see there will be that crossover promotion eventually where you're seeing fighters from the UFC fighting fighters from another promotion, hopefully Bellator, <laughs> hopefully 1FC, PFL, you know, those kind of things. That would be nice to see because that's what fighting is about. It's not about the the letters on the mat. It's about the fighters standing on it. Yeah, what, what Joe brought up a good point was that he goes, how come in boxing we... You know, we don't see promotions involved in any of that stuff. No one hears about the promotions. We don't give a shit about the promotions. I say that all the time. And I say, well, because the promotion doesn't own the fighters like they do right here. You know? It. Now, normally you have the manager and the promotion working together versus in this case where the promotion is like, fuck the manager. <laughs> you know, like you just said earlier. it's That's kind of the position that they're in. Like, they're trying to do deals sometimes, backroom deals, without the manager around. And I give you a for instance. They did the same shit with Luke Rockhold, and Luke Rockhold decided to go ahead and agree to something without his manager there. You know, on his, yep. and, and that's what happened. And everyone's like, well, shit. Now what do we fucking do? Yeah, you know? You oh, go. they oh they said they're going to take care of me. Yeah. Yeah. Those are probably the last uh, words you should uh, listen to <laughs> <laughs> when having this conversation with, with Josh Thompson when they say, oh, he, because, you know, Rockhold came to me. He's like, oh, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. We're, I'll be good. Don't worry. He said we're going to take care of me. You know, they guaranteed to take care of I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Anyway. Anyway, and that and that will happen as long as you continue to win. Yes. Yes. And when you don't, mm -hmm. just remember that they're going to be there to take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting is one of those sports. I think all professional sports, it's very rough. Like if you don't get it written down on contract in contract, it never existed. Yep. Just, just um, you see it all the time. I, I get mad when I see like NFL players, basketball players holding out for money, this and that. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but you have a contract already. You agreed and you signed. But when yep. you're re when you're trying to renegotiate half of your contract, I'm like, all right, now I'm just mad at you because you're you're an idiot. Okay, you you agreed to that <laughs> money and you agreed to that contract. Play out your time. Maybe try to get it, was, it done. If it was good enough when you signed yep. it, it's good enough now. Yeah. It's, it should be good enough now, and I, and I'm okay with I, I I'm fine with fighters like before their last fight, maybe two fights before their last two fights. Like, hey, you know what? I'd like to try and renegotiate because in fight game they want to try okay. to strike while the iron's hot. But you still continue to fight though. You know, you don't stop fighting because oh, they won't resign me with two fights left. Well, they don't have to. You know, and the same thing in the NFL and the NBA. Like, no, yeah. no, I want more money. I have two years left on my contract. Well, I don't have to resign you. And you can sit out if you want. That's a prick move to do. You'll see a lot of times in in, in uh, fighting, whether it's UFC, Bellator, they'll always try to get you re-signed before your last fight because they don't want you to leave. They want to keep you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the NFL and the NBA, they, you know, they can franchise tag you in the NFL, you know, and, and franchise you, which means you're getting paid what, the top guy in your top five percent, um, yeah, top five percent of your guys are getting paid in that position that you play. So, that, I mean, for those of the people that complain about that, I'm like, dude, you're getting paid pretty damn well. You, may, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, and, the problem, the problem is when you are the top, yeah, of that top five percent, and they yeah. want to pay you at the bottom of that top. That's yeah. where your problems come in. Yeah, but then you know, sometimes and they can franchise you, I believe, more than once, which is that sucks yeah, oh, as well. They can. Yeah, I feel I feel like that needs to be skewed a little bit to where they can only franchise you just one year, one time, one year, you know, and then they have to skip a year before they can try to franchise you again. But by then, your contract would be done because otherwise, you would leave. Normally, they franchise you when they don't have a contract with you. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, other than that, I just I, there was a lot of th- uh, there was a lot of good things that we talked about, and and I talk so fast. And <laughs> yes, you too. I talk so <laughs> fast, and ever and I actually I, even, I even had some hate mail. Someone came to me and goes, "Oh my man, god, you're kidding! Someone no. had hate mail on you? That's they, just horrible." They slid up in I my can't DMs. They slid up in my DMs and they said, well, fuck, it would have been a good show had you let Joe talk at all, but you talked 90% of the time. And I was like, well, last I checked, it was Joe's show. So you're gonna hear, you can hear Joe tomorrow <laughs> against with someone else where he will talk yeah. probably more than the other person will. But um, that's the point of a show when you have a guest is to let your guest talk. And that's kind of how that that's how things work a little bit. I know, you know, he asks the questions and I try to talk as much as, as I can to answer the question. Anyways, but it was pretty fun. I, dude, I had a I good thought, time. I, I thought you did a great job on it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it flowed well. I thought you guys were bouncing stuff off of each other. It was it was fun to listen to. I liked the exchange. It was funny because it was clear, and, and, and this is, you know, Joe is a busy guy, and he's a phenomenal representative for the sport of MMA, especially that promotion called the UFC, which is yeah. that's where he works. But you could tell there's certain people that you were taught bringing up that he really didn't know. <laughs> and that was okay. Yeah, you know, I'm sure he's seen him fighting. If he saw a picture of him, yeah. he would go, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. You know, if he saw the guy in the ring or in the cage, he would, oh, I know that guy. But just the name itself, I wasn't sure if, I don't think he knew that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gave me a fighter, though, too. There was one, I think, in the 145-pound division that I didn't know his name. I didn't know who he was. Uh, I can't remember from the UFC. Yeah, um, yeah, he's from the him. UFC. One forty-five. I can't remember who he. Carcon, not Car. No, I can't remember. He, he had Cater. Cater. Calvin Cater. Yes. Dude, it's good. Yeah. Got great I, boxing. I just great boxing. I just agreed with him because I assumed <laughs> he, I didn't know who he was. I I, I know good. I've I know I've heard the name, but I can't recall watching him. Calvin fight. just he he just lost his last fight. I think it was his last fight against Zabit. Zabit. Yeah. Yeah. Magomed Sharaparov, you know. Yeah. And but he was coming on in the third round. And Calvin has always been this guy that everyone knew, man. This guy's good, man. His hands are really good. He's strong. He hits hard. And uh, if if they fought again, that fight could absolutely go the other way. Yeah. Everyone had talked to me about, or Joe had said that day, he's like, had it went to the fourth and fifth round, I think he would have lost. I think Zabit would have lost. Yeah. Very possible. Because Zabit looked extremely tired. He looked exhausted. Looked like he had nothing left in the tank. But I also know as um, I've fought plenty of five-round fights that sometimes in that second and third round, you lose it, and then you get it back in the fourth and fifth. Yeah, sometimes your true. body just needs to recover. Sometimes the adrenaline dump happens, and you recover. You get your second wind, and you feel fresh again. You know, and I, many, many times when you're getting hit with hammers, yeah, it doesn't get better. <laughs> and that's... That's what you're facing when you got Cater on the other side of it. So, so you brought up Joey Diaz. You brought up his show. Um, talk to me, Goose. Dude, you know, first off, Joey Coco Diaz is one of the funniest human beings on the face of the planet. He is hysterical. <laughs> you know, and he's such a good guy. And he, I just, you know, I've always, uh, we've gotten along. And I've, I've been on his show probably three times now, three or four times. But, you know, sat down and talked with him. And he was... Joey's funny because he always he always likes to go into the police stuff and he talks about you know because he spent time in prison and stuff but he was very in he was uh, he watched the Aaron Hernandez yeah. three part special and I had talked to him on a on one of his podcasts years ago 
and I had said, I, you know, that I thought part of the uh, the reason for what happened in the O.J. Simpson thing with uh, his wife Nicole and what really happened and why he lost it, I, you know, I said, I, I truly believe he has chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE. He's got brain damage from all the years of football, from all the hits, and that he lost his temper and wasn't able to, you know, bring it down, and it led to that ultimate, you know, taking of two lives you know that doesn't uh it doesn't give it where oh it's okay doesn't doesn't excuse excuse it it. yeah it doesn't excuse it doesn't make it okay it's wrong but it's something that you can look at and say you know he he's got an actual you know disability diminishing of capabilities as far as being able to control a personality now and I think when O, you know, that's why OJ ends up, you know, he got, he got arrested in Las Vegas. He got arrested at Lorenzo Fertitta's hotel, mm. <laughs> and uh, ended up spending time in prison for robbery, you know, based upon not making good decisions, not being able to control his anger. And then you, you know, you saw Aaron Hernandez, a young guy, not making good decisions, and and that whole thing came about, you know, when they. Uh, well, when he killed himself, he was 27 years of age. He hadn't yeah. played football since like 23, 24 years of age. And at, at at his death, when he killed himself, they took his brain and they said that he had the worst case of CTE in someone that young that they had ever seen. Wow. And that his he had the CTE of a person that had that was approximately 45 to 50 years of age with that type of uh, damage. And so look at your brain is everything. And it, you know, it, it is who you are as a person. And then, you know, the decisions you make, and we all make decisions through life, some of them good, a lot of them bad, but when your brain isn't working the right way because it's got this disease and that disease we know is there in combat sports, you can cross that line and go past what we would all stop at. and. You know, so he's always been interested in that. So he really got into talking about fighters and uh, fighters being injured, fighters being damaged. And so, you know, we really talked a lot about, man, you know, the fighters only have so many fights. And, and Cowboy Cerrone was one of the ones that he kind of wanted to talk about. And I said, you know, you could look at Cowboy for the years that he fought, you know, all the way up until basically I would say 2017, he hadn't been damaged that much consecutively. He obviously got submitted by Benson, you know, a couple of times. He, he took the knockout loss to uh, Pettis when he got kicked to the body, okay? And, you know, but that's not something that's his brain. It was a body shot. and His liver got, you know, attacked, and that can drop anybody. But he had had a couple of fights that were tough. He had the Nate Diaz fight where he fight. Took, a, took a lot of damage. Yeah. You know, and he took a lot of shots, but really somewhere around 2016, 2017, he started taking a lot of damage. And, you know, I, I talk about, you can only crash that car so many times before the car doesn't work. And, you know, when you start taking these, these damaging blows and you're getting, you know, put down onto the canvas and guys are still attacking you and hitting you with shots like Masvidal did. And then Darren Tills, you know, got into him. His fight against Leon Edwards, he made it through the end, but man, he took some heavy shots in that thing. So, again, you were starting to see him every fight 
he's taking more and more damage throughout mm-hmm. those fights than he ever did, you know, in the 35, 40 fights before. The last 10 fights, he's taken more damage in those 10 fights than he did in the 40 fights <clears> before <throat> it. And that's why you're seeing him slow down as a fighter. It just happens. Yeah, I mean, Joe, <clears throat> I can say that I'm officially retired. You know, I can finally say it. And the thing is, is you have to say it sometimes just to say what you just said. Is I realized I was taking more shots than I should have been taking. And I didn't, I don't want to live that lifestyle. I didn't want to be in there as a punching bag to anybody. You know, and uh, I yep. was taking more in training. And that's the thing. People only see the ones you take in the fight. They don't realize that you're taking more in training, too, because there's young, talented studs in my gym. You know, and those guys are whooping yeah. your ass, too. It's not just the ones, the, not just the one guy in the cage that you're fighting. You know, it's the lead up to it. It's all the other shots you take in there. And that's the hardest part. And um, and, and so when you're telling me all the things that, you know, that, that he went through, it's exactly what happened. And uh, I could see myself getting hit more often than I wanted to. When I fought Patricky, I, there was never a moment where I got hit throwing my punch and on the way out I was getting hit. You know, no one I stayed in the pocket too long, but I got in and got out as fast as I could because I knew he had power, and it still wasn't fast enough. Yeah, that just that just let me know that like it was not it's, your time's up. Yeah. Now, now you have to have that conversation with yourself every day in the mirror. Like, when is enough enough? I have everything I want. You know, I've got I've got two gyms, I've got a clothing line, I've got a podcast with you. I work for Bellator. I'm an analyst. I I get to travel around the world and do fucking do amazing things with all the uh, really cool people. Like, if you think about it, and even podcast Dave, no matter how much I hate him, I still like him. <laughs> there you know you what go. I mean? Um, but it's true. You know, these are things that are, you need to have that conversation with yourself. And I look at him and I see how he is with his son, how great he is with his son. But is it worth it? Is it in the long run? Like, your motivation level with CTE, it goes down. It's almost like a state of depression. You know, you don't have it in you to train harder because you can't. You don't have it in you to like want to be motivated to go do more things because you can't. Your brain is just not able to function and fire like it used to. And I don't know if it was father time that caught me or if it was just the fact maybe because I had I had taken some damage, you know, throughout my fight. There was I mean, there was only a handful of fights that I actually took a lot of damage. You know, yeah. the, the East fight outside of the kick, I took no damage outside of the kick. You know, the Hermes Franca fight, I took damage in the third round. All my other fights, I can't I, sure I had a couple little shots here and there, but I don't ever recall like the majority of my fights, I left with almost no marks. You know, my third Gilbert fight was the one I probably took the most damage. In the in that fight, but I, I got hit with some clean shots. But so I thought like, you both you both took the most damage in that fight. Exactly, it was. Yeah. We like the first. I took some shots in the in the second fight. A lot of shots in the second fight, but it was a lot of mixture, a mixing up of, of everything. And I just look at him, and towards the end of my career, I look at him and exactly what you said. Like his last ten fights is probably he's taking more damage in probably the last three or four that he took almost his almost his whole career. And yeah. I looked at myself too. And I felt like I hadn't taken a whole lot of damage up until the Tony Ferguson fight. And then I took that fight, took a ton of damage in that fight. Then I went to Bellator. One fight, really no damage. Second fight, really no damage. But I could also feel the difference of when I got hit and how I felt when I got hit versus like just walking through it. And once you know, I could come to grips with that. Every day I would tell myself, dude, you're getting hit and you feel these shots now. I never used to feel them. 
you know and then now when you feel them you're like all right this isn't the same this is not what I, this is not what i fell in love with this sport is not this feeling of training and getting hit and it's not the same anymore and i never wanted to be anyone's punching bag you know so i can yeah. i can i can straight up just officially say that you know i'm retired and that's kind of the best thing i think it is the best i enjoy all everything I have going right now, Scott Coker, you, my relationship now is because of everything that I've done with you, with you know, with this guy over here, you know, with Dave, and it's just it, the the friends that we have on the Bellator set and the production team, and you know, I'm really good friends with Rich Chow and everyone that works for Bellator, Kogan, you know, and Jordan and all them, you know, but it's just it really like when you're talking about cowboy. It's yeah. tough. It's tough, man. It is. Because but I want him to have a good life with his son after. You know, you know a, a lot of it comes down to, you know, when, when something is that big that basically, you know, says who you are. And, you know, Cowboy's known as a fighter. I mean, a crazy yeah. guy, you know, he flies crazy planes, jumps on wakeboards, does all the crazy. But, man, he's a fighter. Fight anytime, anywhere, anybody, doesn't matter. It's hard to walk away. You know, and, I, and I've said it before, fighting is addictive. It is, you know, and there's different types of guys. You know, there's the guys, you know, some of the guys that you trained with. Frank Shamrock was a guy that never liked fighting, never liked it, hated it, but he was good at it. So he could make money doing it, so he did it. And then there's guys that you know that, you know what, they're, yeah, it's good and I make money at it. And there's guys that love it. And I think Cowboy, although... Just before the fight, he doesn't love it mm-hmm. in the back, but he does love it. He loves everything about it, and it, and it basically, you know, says who he is. And it's gonna be that he's gonna have to sit down and talk to his wife, and he's gonna have to sit down and talk to people that care about him. And there comes a point where you gotta say, "Yep, yeah, it's time," and, and it's okay. It's okay to say that, and it's it's a good thing because there are there's more aspects of life that will open up for you. You know, you'll have more time for other things because you're not going to be training as much and doing things. But man, you know, it's no different than being a stupid referee. There comes you know, I have people all, all the time. Do you miss it? Fuck yes, I miss it. I miss everything about it because I loved what I did, and I loved always trying to figure out ways of being better and how to do something better and how to make it. But there comes a point, and, and you got to say, 25 years, that's enough. It's time. Don't be the guy that tries to hang on too long. Don't be the tr- guy that's trying to fight too long. There's something else out there for you. You just got to find it. I can tell you that um, I don't miss it. <laughs> I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. I, I walk- that, you know, that, then that is the perfect. You couldn't ask for a better statement from you. I don't miss it. Good. I don't. I walk Do past it. Do you, do you love the sport of MMA? I can love the sport and still not miss it. Bingo. I, I walk past the cage now and I see and hear and feel those guys getting hit and those girls. You go, damn. And I'm just like, I, I don't miss that at all. Yeah. I don't miss it all. Now, it, throughout my career, I was like, I couldn't wait to get back in the gym. But we were talking about Cowboy, and I'm saying, like, when you we were talking about Cowboy, we started off the show, though, talking about T. Wood. And then he basically came out saying that, you know, like he, he burned through his championship money. And so when I think about that, right, here he is young, still fighting, not super young, but, you know, he's still pretty young, f- still fighting, still has the chance to still make money to recover, which is great. That just lets you, I want everyone to understand that he went through money 
and he and he has a whole life still ahead of him to live and he's dedicated his life to fighting cowboy he's going through his brain and he has a whole other life to live after fighting you yeah. have to put the two things in perspective like money you could potentially still make you can't do shit to fix your brain you know, you can do little things that maybe will help you a little bit more, but in the long run, it's just going to all happen faster. Yeah. So when I'm sitting here talking about him, like, it just, you got to remember, there's a whole other, Cowboy, I don't know how old is he, 36, 35, 30, somewhere in 36. there. He's got another 40, 30, 40 years to live, you know, God willing. Yeah. <laughs> you got a whole other life to live at where you're at now, and do you want to live that with, with or without brain cells, like it just with being able to do all the things that you're able to do, function, have conversations with your kids, longer life. Like he, he seems like he loves being a dad, you know. Oh, and just, just the fact that you know, it, it, it's everything that Donald has done yeah. in his career, and the way he, he always brings his grandma. She's at all his fights, and you see now that you know he has a son, and how he's bringing his son. I love the fact that he's bringing his son in the cage, and I love the fact when Chael brought his son yeah. you know for his last fight and he wasn't sure it was going to be his last fight but it was his last fight against leota and he had his son at the weigh-ins and he had his son at everything and i love that make him part because that's special your dad is special and it's special that you get get to take part in it but this is the part that people don't realize there's a there's a group and it's the retired fighters fund from the abc the association of boxing and combative sports has got a charity I'm part of it and the retired fighter fund. And please, if anyone, if you you know think about giving to something, please think about giving to the retired fighters fund because the money goes to uh, people that you have watched. It goes to some boxers. It's gone to MMA fighters. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, how much we give or who we've given it to. But one of the people that I'll bring, you know, him up is Gary Goodrich mm. is a guy you know, from UFC eight and Gary fought. If you're looking fought in the UFC, fought in pride, fought in K1, fought everywhere. And, you know, I've known Gary since I, before I knew him in the UFC because I used to arm wrestle and he was the world champion in arm wrestling and uh, just a phenomenal human being. And he is so diminished now and he's trying to, he's trying to get help for a lot of his problems. But, you know, I, we brought him to uh, the ABC conference to have him speak about stuff and to give him you know something uh from the charity and you know he's so he needs help he, he needs a handler because he can't remember things can't remember you know, he, he'll leave it you know you, you tell him hey i'm going to put this check in your wallet and you'll put it in his wallet okay this is where it's at now when you go home this, you're going to give it to you know so and so right yep i'm going to give it to so and so and then he'll call you you know 10 minutes later hey what happened to that check you know and this is this is the reality of what happens. People don't see it because when they, when the fighter leaves, they're gone. And the fighter then has to live with the damage that they accepted being that guy that stepped in the cage. It doesn't leave them. They've got to now live the rest of their life. And that damage just continues to accumulate. And so these guys are out there and understand we're not, I'm not, I'm never ever going to put down anybody that wants to continue fighting, but I would always try to talk them out of it because it's not good for your health. And the older you get, usually there's reasons why fighters, you know, start to lose when they're older. You slow down. 
your brain doesn't work as fast. Your body doesn't work as fast. And the, the trauma from your competitive days, it doesn't stop when the competition stops. The yeah. trauma continues on. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's I, enough. <clears throat> no, it's true. It's true. It's, yeah, I just, I, and like I said, I like I've, I've come to accept the fact that like I was in it to be the best. And once I realized I couldn't be the best anymore, there's no reason to continue to take damage. Cowboy yep. has stated publicly he's in it. He wants to be in it until the wheels fall off. And I, and I'm more, good. they more, will. Yeah. More power to you. Yeah. But I also, I also just, I see him now all the time with his son. He looks like he's super happy being a dad. And later on in life, when you want to go and do things with your son, you may not remember that you're supposed to go do those things. And, you know, you may not remember how to do the things that you want to do with him as well. And so I get concerned. I'm not just talking about Cowboy. I'm talking about all the fighters. Every fighter, You yeah. see it in them, you know. And a lot of these fighters have more than one kid. They have two or three or four, you know. And you just, I like to be more <clears throat> on the conservative side of making sure that they're all okay. And, um, you know, we don't have anything set up for us. Like, I believe boxing has something set up for them, you know, for retired fighters who need, who have, who need help or anything along those lines. No. No. Boxers don't have, in fact, I, I would say there's one state, California. California set up a boxer's pension fund um, long ago where promoters had to pay a certain amount of tax that went to the pension fund. They also set up a neurological fund, but... You know, there was a, you know, just uh, <laughs> Chicanito was a, fi a friend of mine, you know, Hernandez, who, uh, you know, his brother is Rudy Hernandez, who mm -hmm. is a cut man in the UFC. Yes. And Ch Chicanito, you know, he was dying of cancer and couldn't get the money that he had put in the thing. And we're all trying to, you know, tell the commission, hey, you've got to give the this guy's not going to make it. You know, eventually they, they got him that money and that, you know. It's not a lot, but it's enough to make a difference in his lifestyle and his ability to pay for himself at the time. But, you know, boxers don't get pensions really either. And, and MMA fights, so you've got to do the things while you're fighting. Instead of buying the Bentley, buy the, buy the Prius. The Prius goes, you know what, it doesn't go as fast. It's not as pretty. I admit it. But it gets you from point A to point B the same. Yeah. It will get you there. Yeah. And that's what you have to learn is everyone wants the fancy thing. And I understand why, and it's great. But if you take most of that money and you put it away, you will have something later on. You will be able to put that thing into funds and you'll be able to, to invest it. And you're not going to have to fight for the rest of your life. And you'll be able to live your life because yeah. as a fighter, you've only got a short window. And I say, you know, look, it's 10 years. Now for some guys, it's, it's longer than that. But for some people, it's, it's shorter. <laughs> And that 10-year plan, man, you want to get in and out, take as little damage as you can, get your money, invest it, don't buy seven different cars and two homes. Yeah, you know, and I, I Man, I hear this from T. Wood, and I'm, I'm feeling horrible for him. Yeah. You know, and it's just, I wish, you know, he wasn't in that situation. Let's talk about Bellator 238 in L.A. That was a good show. I it really was. Yeah, it was great. We did a lot of stuff for the Merging Vets and Players MVP. Uh, that was nice. We had them, um, you know. Man, you got you got to really, uh, you got to give it up for Jay Glazer and everything that he has done yep. to uh, make that happen. Him and Nate Boyer, but Jay has been the, the guy behind it. Uh, he's really touched a lot of people's lives, man. I, it's, it's one of those, you know someone, you go, 
man, I know you. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. No, but seriously, yeah. I'm so proud of him. So proud of, you know, what he's accomplished and stuff. Cause you know, he, he's a boisterous, you know, loud fucking in your face guy. And that's what I love about him anyways. But he gets all misty eyed anytime he starts talking about one of his MVP guys. And it's, it's really nice to see. It's a, a great program. Yeah, I was there uh, helping teach the the boxing portion of it all on Wednesday night uh, before, and uh, it was it was something different. I got to tell you, it was um, you know, they, so for those of you guys that don't know what the, Jay does at Unbreakable Gym there on South, Sunset Boulevard in uh, in Hollywood, is they talk about um, guys. What they do is they break them up. So twenty minutes of a workout on the bag, twenty and, and exercises, and then twenty minutes of exercise on the other side, and then they switch another twenty minutes, twenty minutes. So you're getting like a total of like an hour workout, you know, uh, forty minutes, but it's like an hour of conversation back and forth here and there. And then at the end, they do like you know their sharing time, which they basically all could gather up and they they share their stories. You've got. Um, not, not, not even so much retired athletes, just fight, you know athletes that were forced out of their position, whether it's the NFL, whether it's NBA, whether it's uh, yep. the Olympics. Um, there was there was a girl there. She was a two-time gold medalist and also a silver medalist uh, Olympian. And then uh, there was a couple NFL players that were there that used to play in the league and no longer are there, but they're trying to get back in. And they've got tons of um, military vets that have been discharged due to PTSD or, you know, severe injuries and bodily injuries and things like that. So, but they all just tell, they were all telling stories and to hear the stories that that they have to live with and just the conversation that all of them were trying to help each other get through was just so fascinating to me and sad. It really is sad because one, and I'm going to give you guys one of the stories. Um, A guy was in Afghanistan, and in Afghanistan, there was a guy on a motorcycle with bombs strapped all to him. He was riding right at 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 him, at one of the tr- one of our troops, and he was in um, in a Humvee, and he was hanging out the window. The guy was riding the motorcycle right at him, and he shot the guy. And when he shot the guy, he didn't realize that the guy that the guy had a little girl around his waist from behind strapped to him. So the little girl would have died regardless, but the boy that shot the guy had went through him, the little girl as well. And the guy has just been living with that ever since then. And every day, like he's like every day you don't get, I just rethink and reenact that moment of what I could have done differently and how I could have done things differently. And it's just, it, I can't imagine living with like that kind of pain in my life every single day. And all the other troops, you know, and all the other vets were just sitting there telling him, like, you can't live with that. Like, that, that guy was willing to kill, which they think was his daughter. He was willing to kill his own daughter, you know, to kill yep. you. And it's sad. It's really upsetting, you know. Um, and there was other stories. I'm not, I'm not going to share all of them. Just that one. That was the one that kind of stuck with me the most, you know, because I have nieces and I have nephews. And, you know, and, uh, you know, and just it just kind of came up to my head now with, you know, uh, Kobe losing his daughter and him. And it just was it just kind of reminded me, like, damn, this is it's crazy. It's crazy to think these these guys do they go out there and they 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 truly lay their life on the line, you know, for us. And we're here at yep. home living our lifestyle, doing what we're doing right now, you know, and uh this guy comes back and he's just he's depressed and upset and just he goes through he's like it's it's ebb and flow, just kinda up and down with him on how he feels day to day. And MVP gives him that that outlet where he comes in, he gets a workout in, breaks a sweat, everyone's super friendly and when I pulled up 
they have people out there greeting them. Hey guys, what's up? Everyone, get in, go, take your gloves off, put your or take your shoes off, put your gloves on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And they feel like as if they're back like in a locker room somewhere, you know, or you know, out there with their That's troops. That's the best part of yeah. it. Yeah. Because one one of the things that and I don't care if it's fighting, because fighting you have your team. Yeah. And your team is so important. Think about the guys that you trained with. Yeah. And, and those are your guys. And you share things with those guys. If you're in the football team, you know, it, it was one of the things that I always, people used to talk about different things and stuff. Man, there was never any race or anything in a gym mm -hmm. or on a football team or anything like that. Man, you were brothers. You're all, you know, we're, we're working towards being the best that we can be and, and winning. And that's something that is one of the greatest times of your life, that camaraderie. And it's no different being in the military with your platoon or, you know, the people that you go through, you know, basic training with, and then you move on to where, you know, depending upon what service you are, that platoon and that's whatever, you know, MOS you have, you share things with those people that you, you know, only they understand and only they can kind of get you at the time. And then when you leave it and you can, when you leave, I don't care if it's fighting or you leave football or you leave basketball or you leave the military, it is gone immediately. Gone. Now you have a phone and you can call people, but it's just not the same. And that's the biggest element that is so hard to replace is you don't have that camaraderie that made it special. And you know, living life, those those are the moments that that's what makes life special and, and you've got to find something to replace it. And that's the one thing that I love about, you know, what Jay has done. And he talked to us long ago. You remember when he was yeah. starting it and saying, you know, this is what I'm gonna do. And I was like, man, that's a great idea because I know that, you know, hey, when it, when I left certain things, yeah, it was hard as far as men. That camaraderie was gone. I couldn't bullshit with the same guys and couldn't do the same things. And I think that's kind of like what we have. Yeah. You know, with Bellator and our production guys and stuff, we're always bullshitting. Now. It's this. It's a camaraderie. Yeah. And it makes it fun. It makes it special. And it's beautiful that MVP and that program is replacing that missing element for these guys. And they're getting just, you know, they're getting great things out of it, so it's fantastic. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. He's <clears throat> he's had the support of of a lot of top NFL coaches, athletes, things like that as well to help him, you know, build this program. And he's doing a wonderful job. And you know, Nate Boyer and the, and them they reached out with with Chris Pratt there as well. They do a great job, like building these guys up. When I was there. They all left with smiles on their faces. They all got MVP, new MVP Bellator shirts. They were all super happy with the hats. And it was awesome. It was a great moment, you know, and uh, Bellator that night ended up donating uh, money as well uh, to the cause, which is, is a great cause. And I love, I love seeing it. And I thought it was a great job by him. And continue. Like I told him, I said, next time, I'm, anytime I'm in town, I'll come by and, you know, and, and I'd love to be part of it again, help teach the, the boxing portion again yep. or the workout fitness portion again, whatever it is, you know. So I thought, I thought it was a great job by Jay. I want to just tip my hat off to him for doing such a great thing. Uh, and it, nice job, nice job of Bellator and Scott Coker yeah. for donating a lot of money to him yeah. and for giving all of that time and that airtime for that program. Mm -hmm. That's worth a lot of money. 
and they did all that. That's all for free to try to build that program up. So way to go, Scott. Yeah, I think we also gave, I think we gave out like five or 600 tickets uh, so they could make it. So any troops that were there or any troops that, you know, uh, retired vets that whatever they could, couldn't afford, obviously couldn't afford tickets or something like that, we, we made sure that they were able to get there. So that was awesome. That was great. Um, then moving on to the fights. Let's talk, I guess let's go right to the main event. Oh, come on, you got to. Okay. Julia Budd, Chris Cyborg. Tell me. I'll give tell it you to what. me. Man, Chris looks so good. And and she's a different fighter, Josh. She is fighting different. She's doing some of the same elements. But you know, we talked about it before, and I said, you know, she has that berserker style yeah. that comes from shoot the box. Mm-hmm. And that's what got her in trouble in her loss against Amanda is, you know, she wanted to go out there and her, and you can't just think you're going to get rid of everybody fast. And I said, you know, if she does that berserker style, she can put herself into trouble. And she had her moments, you know what? She was coming in, doing damage, exiting out. She's fighting smart right now. And I thought that Julia Budd went out there and I'm not sure if it was that moment. Because Julia Budd was winning the first round. Uh-huh. She had Chris on the ground, and she was in a position, and she throws that knee. And it was an illegal knee. You know, referee Mike Beltran saw it. He calls it. He did not take a point. How he penalized her was he took her out of the position, which is I thought was the right call because you're talking about a championship fight. Let me take you out. Chris wasn't hurt by it. You could tell that she wasn't damaged in any way by it. She did get hit by it, but she wasn't damaged. And so he takes the position away. But that moment changed that round. It changed. I don't know if it changed the mentality of Julia, but it just, that round got away from her then. Chris ended up winning that round. Chris came out in the second round. Julia's fighting hard, but Chris is getting the better shots in. In the third round, I had it a 10-8. I know two of the judges had it as a 10-8 also on the scorecards. And Chris just that the train started rolling mm-hmm. and everything she was doing. I mean, take a look at the ending sequence of that fight. Look at the, the hand speed. Yeah. And look at the up and down that Chris is hitting her with, hitting her with shots to the head, shots to the body, knees inside. It was beautiful. And, you know, and she got dropped by the body shot. And anybody that has ever been hit by a body shot, when you get hit with a good one, you will know. Mm-hmm. because you'll say, I'm okay, and your body's telling you, no, you're not, and you say, <laughs> stand stand up, and your legs are going, no, no, you're not going to stand up, and you just start going, you just can't help it. And uh, I thought Julia represented herself very well. I thought she fought like a champ. She went out there and gave everything she had. Did she make mistakes? Yes, she made some mistakes, and those mistakes led to the the downhill side of that fight for her. But, you know, I give her credit. I think she's been a fantastic champion for Bellator. She's represented that well. And you know what? Congratulations to Chris. That was a beautiful performance. And I look forward to seeing, you know, what she's going to do next and who she's going to fight next. And if she keeps fighting the way she is right now, mm-hmm. man, she she can be hard to beat. Yeah, I think when she lost to Amanda... My thought and process was for, what, 12, 13 years, she was able just to walk through people when they punched her. And yep. she continued to believe in herself up until that moment happened. You know, and, like, and I, I said this right after that fight, like that night after that fight ended, if they were to fight again, Cyborg would walk through her. 
Because she knows now, after seeing Amanda fight also, and I, if you go back and you look at Amanda's other fights, even now, when she fought Jermaine Durandamy, had she not had takedowns or was had had Jermaine had a little bit more takedown defense, take that fence, she would have oh, lost. She, the fight, she, Amanda would have lost. So, yeah, the fight's different. And I look at Cyborg. She's got really good takedown defense. Um, Amanda wouldn't have been able to do that to her. And we see that Amanda slows down as the fight goes on. And I don't understand how people can say after one loss that you are not the the, the goat of women's MMA. She's hands down <laughs> the best MMA women's MMA fighter I've ever seen. Not just because yeah, but she got beat by Amanda. Yeah, she got beat by Amanda. Yeah, that doesn't make. Come any, on, she it, got beat by Amanda. That it, means that she that Amanda's got to be the best. It doesn't make any sense. So. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And like, and like, and I'm a, I'm a Max. I'm a Max Holloway fan. I'm a huge Max Holloway yeah, but, fan. But if you're gonna tell me Max Holloway is the best featherweight of all time, you're, you're out of full your, of you're shit. You're out of your fucking mind. And I, I, I like him, Jose Aldo. Yeah, yeah. He I, did it for a lot longer, and that's why. And that's that was my that's that was my point. My point is like, if someone goes undefeated for so long, or not undefeated, but they just haven't lost in that amount of time, right? And they've been the champion, defending the title for that long. I mean, she's been the champion in every organization she's ever stepped foot in. And she was yep. really good. Now, Amanda got her that night. But the bottom line is, like I said, if they fought again, she I think she just dismantles Amanda. Dismantles. Now, look, what? the puncher shot is always there, of course. Sure. And Amanda's got the one crunch. It's hard to find it's hard to find a female that has the one punch. Crunch, punch, like knockout. I was trying to yeah. chain that all together. It didn't come out right. It so sounded, punch, sounded crunch, ridiculous. Yeah, it's all one punch crunching, man. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's like the cereal I eat in the morning, uh, Captain Crunching, Crunching, or whatever it is. Anyways, uh, you know, look, the bottom, the like, I go back to this because sure, I would have loved to have seen that fight happen again. It's never gonna oh, happen. Yeah. It's never gonna happen now, and we know that. Um, the the bottom line is is. You cannot take it away from her. Like I said, I said when we were we were getting ready to introduce when we came live on air. When I was almost late to and almost missed. Um, <laughs> I didn't say a thing. I will tell. I'll tell you guys all that story in a little bit. But I said it on air when the card, the main card started. Other women have come and gone in this organization that have been huge names and it will continue to be huge names. Gina Carano, huge name in the movie industry now. Okay. Ronda Rousey now is in WWE, huge name in MMA as well as WWE, as also she's done movies as well. Um, outside of those two, now you have Amanda Nunes because she beat, I'd give Holly Holm in that credit, Misha Tate, well, I don't know what I was thinking, yep. her as well. Marlos. Marlos Conan, Conan, like you, those, those girls have been pillars of the sport. Hands down, they have, but none of them have ever done what Chris Cyborg has done. There's no, no way you're gonna try to tell me that she is not the GOAT. There's no way, and I don't think there's ever, maybe there will be, I don't think there's ever gonna be another female like her. I just, if there is, it'll be 30, 40 years down the line. When the sport is completely yeah. different for women, when the sport has changed and is completely different for women, I think that's when we may see, when, this, when, the, when the, the child who's not even born yet Starts training MMA <laughs> at three and four and five years old. And then they'll that they'll child be comparing her to Chris Cyborg. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's it goes it's as simple as this. Larry Holmes was a great champion as a heavyweight boxer. And Larry Holmes beat the shit out of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. He did. I mean, it was brutal. And you're gonna tell me that Larry Holmes was a greater heavyweight than Muhammad Ali. No. Come on. You know, it's just it, it's not there. Someone can lose to someone 
and that's fine. They lost. Amanda's got a long ways to go, and I've said this, and it's not that I, I believe in it, man. And I will tell you that when I first saw Amanda fight, when I did the, my first, uh, when I first officiated her, I told her, I said, hey, you could be great at this. Work hard. Continue on. You can ask her. And uh, I, I thought she had talent, and the one thing I did see is that she got tired in fights, and that kind of led to some of her losses. But she has just performed beautifully. In her last sequence of fights, I, the, the fight with Jermaine, she had some problems, but you know, she overcame those and 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 you know dominated the fight. But she still has a ways to go because Chris was undefeated for 20 fights. All right, 20 fights in a row, and I kind of look at it and I, and and Chris is the one that she kind of put it out there, and, and I think it's true. She she's very religious. She's, believes in God and God's got a, you know, a plan for her. And she would never have been able to leave the UFC if she had won that fight. Yeah. She said, you know, it was in this building and I lost that belt. And I was happy. I was happy, you know, and now look, and I come back and I win this belt here and I'm happy. Yeah. And you know, what's meant to be is meant to be. And Mm -hmm. if they fought again, it would be a great fight. I do think that it would be a different fight, and I think Chris would fight it differently. I think Amanda would try to fight it close to the same, which would be smart. Force her into that, you know, that gunslinging match. But Chris Cyborg, in my mind, you know, there's no way that you can sit there and say that she hasn't been the most complete and dominant female fighter that there's ever been. Now, Ronda had her little, you know, she had her run, and she was the absolutely the most popular and most famous female fighter and, and and much more famous than even Amanda is now. Mm-hmm. But does that make Ronda the, the greatest female fighter of all time? No, Mm-mm. it doesn't. I think she was very important for MMA, super important for women's MMA. But, you know, to say that she was the person, the, the fighter that, you know, they've said she's the fighter that, you know, brought, brought up women's MMA. Mm-mm. No, she's not. No, she's not. No, she's not, man. You know, you want me to go back to the old days? There's a girl named Jennifer Howe. Mm, I do remember her. Go watch Jennifer Howe. And then, you know, Roxanne Modafari is the one that ended up beating Jennifer Howe. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and it comes up with Gina Carano. Gina Carano was the, that was the one. She was the girl that, man, people wanted to watch. And she had that it factor. That's why she's an actress now. There was just, that's who she was. Yeah. You know, she, and it wasn't, she didn't even try. She was, most of the time she was embarrassed about being there. And it was just the what the looks that she, you would give, all guys would melt. And uh, she helped create an image for women's MMA that got the very first main event against Chris Cyborg. Yeah. That was the first main event in a major promotion. Strike Force put that on, you know, and Gina Carano is the one that helped bring that women's MMA to the next level. And then Chris, you know, she carried that mantle of being that's that's the best one there is. And she still can carry that mantle. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, think about it. She was in the, she was in the very first main event for women's MMA. And to think that people are saying that she, she she's done her part in helping build women women's MMA and uh, I continue oh, yeah. to consider I continue to consider her the goat and until people four different titles four different promotions she's done everything she could possibly do in the sport itself there's really no reason for her to even keep fighting but she does do it, me a she favor. does it because she loves Na- it name me the name me the person that's got three titles in major promotions 
just just go ahead and sit there because you're not. None. The only guy that Zero. maybe the only guy that's close will be Ben Benson Henderson. He'd be the only one. The that's only guy that's close is Gaygard. Oh, that's Gaygard true. Can sit, Gaygard can sit there and say he's got strike force. Yeah. He had dream. Yeah. And he won the Bellator. Yeah. He's got three. Other than that, I can't think of anyone. They're all got. I got. I got a lot of twos. Yeah. But. Gegard's the only guy that I can say has the three. Yeah, Benson's got two. He potential of getting three is is could happen. Yep. Um, Jesus. Benson had WEC and UFC. Yep. Eddie Alvarez. Anthony Pettis. Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez had Bellator. Bodog? UFC. What's that? Didn't, didn't he have Bodog? No. Oh, he lost he that to Matt, lost that. Matt Lee. Nick Tom. He had Nick Nick Thompson. Oh, first Nick one Thompson. Got it, got it. I just swore, I could have swore he was the Bodog champion. Ah, oh, yeah, I can't think of it. I could be wrong. Maybe he came back and won it, but. Does Joe Pitch have. A no, World he's only. Series? He's only. Who? Nope. No. That's it. And World Series of Fighting. Oh, he doesn't have one? No. Uh, no. 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 He lost to GSP. Yeah. In his only attempt. Yep. They didn't like him. They barely, they fought to yeah, the nail they, they just to him. even give him that one. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't want him to fight. They didn't want him to fight GSP. Um, who, the, so to me, and I, I, I felt like I called it. The fight of the night was uh, I can't say it his last name. Sergio Pettis Sergio against P- Alfred Kashakian. Kashakian. I just called him Alfred all night because I was like, man, I do, <laughs> I do not want to fuck this guy's name up. I felt bad. Like, I just didn't want. <laughs> You know, I, and I knew how to say it, but just, you know, when you're just hesitant to say it, I was like, ah, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> um, so I just called him out for all night. Safe bet. Uh, okay. Look, that that ended up being, to me, I felt like, to me, that ended up being the fight of the night. What other fight was Boy, what, what, yeah. what a performance by yeah. Sergio. Man. Yeah. but He looked good because the shocking was throwing bombs and he was avoiding every one. He got hit one time fairly decently. Yeah. But, man, he looked good. And when he hit him with that freaking right hand, dropped him down. Because I couldn't believe it. I mean, you talk about Tyson Fury coming up from being hit by Deontay Wilder. Yeah. I couldn't believe that Kashakian was able to actually sit back up and he was still in that fight at that point, you know, trying. Yeah, he Sergio jumped on, like, in the mount, basically, right in the mount, and he was trying yeah. to push him off. I thought Sergio was going to go for the arm because he was pushing on the arm and the chest. Yeah. I was like, don't go for the arm. Don't go for the arm. Just keep top position. In my <laughs> mind, I'm thinking fighter IQ, fighter <laughs> IQ. And he didn't. He just kept trying to punch him and punch him. But then when um, Alfred was able to get to a position where he could jump to the guillotine, and yeah. I've trained with Pettis. I've trained with uh, Anthony Pettis. And they've got good little guillotines, got good little armor guillotines. They got they're really good from inside their guard, armors and triangles. Like you see it with the Mayo Sanchez, and you see it with him, and um, even uh, Stotts. He's got a good little like uh, arm and guillotine and guillotine as well. Tough, tough. And so when I knew he sunk that in, that and and Alfred was rocked. I was like, oh, this is over. This yeah, is especially over. when he had his arm trapped. Yeah. He had his arm trapped in his guard. It's like, oh, it's done. But what I thought it was a very dominant performance by Sergio. He did a great job using the footwork, not letting not letting Alfred get too far ahead of himself inside the pocket. He, as soon as he got inside the pocket and was getting ready to throw, Sergio would throw something small, right not out. even hard, just yep. something small, boom, boom, and get out. Circled out. He would use his yeah. speed. Even if he didn't throw something, he would faint really hard to make Alfred move, and then he would get out and get out of the the line of fire. That was a good performance by him, and I was very impre- yeah, I was very impressed with uh, with that. Look, the fight that I was kind of like uh, shocked over. Go ahead. Yeah, was uh, Emily King. 
Oh, yeah, that one. Okay. I, I thought was, it was another one. No, no. I was shocked by the Emily King fight. I, I would get into I, the other two, but I was not, I was, <laughs> was shocked, but it was more like a disappointment shock, not a good shocked, those two guys. <laughs> it was the Emily King. I was very impressed, very calm, very composed. She fought a really good fight. She said, you know what? She did exactly what she said she was yeah. going to do. She said, "Look, I, you know, I know she's going with her hands. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just walk through that because I've got to get through it, and I'm gonna get to the ground. I'm gonna hunt for submissions, and I will submit her." And she did exactly that. And, and I'll give, you know, Ava just doesn't have the experience no. on the ground right now to, you know, she'll she'll do one thing right and then two things wrong. Yeah, and it's just just a matter of time. She's got great hands. Yeah, but. You know, when you're off of your feet, doesn't matter how good your hands are because you just can't use those tools that you've practiced all those years to use, and you're fighting to keep this person from wrapping you up. Yeah. Uh, but Emily King, man, she you know, Knoxville in the house, man. She she came and rocked it. I, OSP's camp. I thought she um she stayed calm, composed. She did everything she's supposed to do. Um, Ava Knight, to me, I felt like she lacked the the MMA fighter IQ. She yeah. She was out of the triangle several times, and then she threw herself right back in the triangle or back into guard. And I'm like, "Wow, what are you doing? You need to at that stage, especially when you're when you're not sweaty, you need to get out and away. Just get away from whoever is threatening to take you down. Especially if you're just yeah. main, you're mainly just all boxing. And I expected that to happen. I expected, her like, "Oh, you, you, your head's up. You're defending the triangle, good." And then, then you like basically fall back into it or you're out in a way and you let her grab your leg and you just instead of like trying to continue to kick out you jump back into the guard or half guard i was like oh no so she just she lacks the experience which i think this is, was a good experience for her you know even though she lost but i think she'll learn a lot from it it's okay yeah um that's and that's four fights in a row for emily king you know, you know she she started off her career zero and three and now she's four and three so you got to yes. give it to her yeah she's uh she's Rounded that corner, man, is on her way. So, very nice performance. Uh, I'm going to complain a little bit. Um, try not to be disrespectful, but I'm going to complain a little bit about Henry Cross and Juan Archuleta. I okay. expected more. I do understand both of them are coming off losses, so I understand the timidness of timidness of fighting. I understand them. Timidity. Tim, is it timidity? It would be timidity. All right. I understand the timidity as far as not being very careful and engaging. Yeah, I understand them not wanting to engage and get clipped, knocked out. Both of them have knockout power. We've seen it from both of them. Both of them are just, like I said, junkyard dogs. Both of them are trying to get back on the winning track. I wanted to see them mix it up a little bit more, which on their side, it was smart for them not to because the fight could end with one punch. Um, I wanted to see Juan wrestle a little bit more, get Corrales thinking about the takedown. After he didn't get the takedown, the very first takedown, he pretty much abandoned it and just went to striking, touch, touch, strike, move out of the way. And it worked for him. But I got to tell you, it was a close fight. It was a close fight. It came down to the it, how, it you, was. how you scored the first round as it was a close fight. That depended on how you scored the first round. Juan obviously won the second round. And in the third round, I had Henry win in the third round. Corrales. So yeah. it came down to how you scored the first round. The first round was dead even. It was a heat. It was close. Um, and it's one of the things you're one of the things that has always made Juan who he is and it's not even that he always gets to that takedown but it's his ability to make you think you know he'll come in and he'll do like a knee tap you know boom but then as he's going for the knee tap the hand comes over the top yeah. and he he uses the wrestling to set up his striking yeah. 
and he wasn't using wrestling to set up his striking. He was trying to use all that in-and-out foot movement that he uses. He needs to go a little bit back to what he was doing in the past of utilizing that wrestling. Even if you're not going to try to get it all the way to the ground, engage with that and then exit, hitting your shots, hitting the elbows, hitting the knees, flying knees. You know, he used to do flying knees all the time. Zero. Yeah. Because he's worried. He's, he's worried about making the mistake. Hmm. The uh, the fight that actually I was the most impressed with. Dar- Darian Caldwell, come on. Uh, you know, actually, yeah. Come I, on. I was impressed with him, but you I, had to I, be. I will he cont- did exactly what he's supposed to do. I will continue to go back to this, though. <laughs> Don't go back to it. I cannot. I can't. It's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what Stephen A said. <laughs> I'm going to. I didn't get enough from it. I didn't get enough. I didn't get enough to show that he is someone that can go the distance in a five-round like, and perform, not just win the first three rounds by taking you down. I didn't see enough. I Look, I well, thought you, it was a great fight. I thought he did a okay, good job of winning the fight. I thought he did everything he needed to do to someone who was undefeated, had never lost ever in combat Bingo. sports, never Bingo. had lost in kickboxing, never had lost in boxing, never lost in MMA, never had lost in combat sports. And all the talk for me on my side was about Adam Boris because all the stuff that was coming out of his camp and how good he was and not guys like trying to to sugarcoat it. Literally guys saying like, dude, he's fucking me up or I don't spar with him because I'm a pussy and like he hits too hard and he goes too hard and, (laughs) or I just don't want to get hurt before my fight. Like, you know, he is good. He's, and it just sucks. We didn't get to see more of him because I was really excited to see more of him. But Daring called Will, I got to tip my hat, brother. You did a great job. You did everything you needed Absolutely. to do. You fought a smart fight. You seek, you were seeking the submission the whole time. You set it up with strikes, which is nice. I like that. You got busier yep. on the top. That's what set up the submission. We talked about it in the, at the, at the, at the uh, fighter meetings. The thing that scared me is when you said, I asked you, are you ready to go five rounds? I saw him in the lobby like two days before. You ready to go five rounds? Kind of. Not going to need to. He's like, no, I don't need to. It's only going to go one. And I was like, oh, shit. I, that's not something <laughs> as a coach or as a corner, and you never want to hear that. And when I hear that in interviews, it usually means you, you're you not ready to go five. You think you really think you're going to get him out of there in one or two. And if you don't, then what happens? Well, you're going to lose. Well, he's a man of his word. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm going to get him out of there in one. All right. Well, that's you know, it. I mean. And the, like, it, the, way he, the way he controlled the far side arm and had it. Yeah. And. Adam is working the thing, and he's just waiting, 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 and he's waiting for that chin to lift. And yeah. as soon as that chin lifted, there went the left arm right behind it, yeah. let go of the hand, went for the rear naked, kind of got the hand a little high. You saw Borch get a hold of it, then brought it palm to palm, had a tight squeeze because it was under the chin. And look, that is what you are supposed to do in the tournament format. Yeah. Go in there, get rid of them fast. Don't take any damage. Now you can move on. And perfect performance by Darian Caldwell. Perfect. And he's yeah, got I can't the opportunity. Take away from him. If you if you think about it, he's got the opportunity. He just took a fourteen and O, and put that O with a one on the end of it with Borch. And now he's facing yeah. AJ McKee, another undefeated fighter, I believe, fifteen and O. So he's got another chance to dismantle that O on the other side. 
Yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for that uh, to see how those two guys, because those two are perfect clash of each other. The speed, athleticism, and we saw him in AJ McKee's last fight. He he was starting to slow down on that third round. So if the yeah. two of them have the same the same issue where they both you know they have to go five rounds because all these fights from now on out are five rounds. If he has to go five, how are either one of those guys gonna handle it in the fourth and fifth round? And ooh, it's scary to think because I mean, to me, I would lean probably more towards Darian Caldwell because he's got the more experience of fighting five round fights, being the champion at one thirty five, being the former champion at one thirty five. Not only that, he's also got the better wrestling. So when you talk about who gets tired faster and this and that, but who can wrestle and get the fight to the ground? So you got to carry their weight the whole fight, Darian. I just didn't see that happening. I didn't. I thought of all the talk and conversation about Adam Borks that it was going to be a lot different of a fight, and and I was wrong. I was wrong, man. That that tasted like vinegar coming out of my mouth. <laughs> um, look, but the other the other guy that impressed me um, the on the prelims was Aaron Pico. Aaron Pico. Aaron God Pico. God damn, he looked good. He looked good. He looked exactly how we would have liked him to look. The transitions, the smooth transitions from boxing to, to takedown, as well as not overreacting when someone stepped in and dropping lower in his level to get into the takedown. Great job by Aaron Pico in his performance. Now, he needs to grow on this with uh, Jackson Wink, which I think he will. Uh, I talked a lot with uh, Greg Jackson throughout the week, and he said, look, he's doing a, fab- a fabulous job. He, he learns so fast, which is obvious. It's obvious that he does. I mean, given all of his experience from wrestling, you can tell he learns really well. Um, it really just comes down to whether he can implement it in an actual real fight. And I think yeah. this fight showed that he could. On top of that, um, you could tell there was times he got hit and he wanted to get after it and get get down. Yep. And you just can't. You just cannot do that with the little gloves. And I'm glad he didn't do it and it all worked out for him. I thought he looked really good and, and exactly what you're talking about. There were moments where he got touched by Dan and you saw he wanted to like, uh, I'm going to set my feet and throw it. And he's yeah. like, nope. And he, he did a nice little step out to the side, reset, and came back at it. And when he went for the takedown, got to half guard real quick, clamped down, and took his time, but postured, landed big shots, hurt Daniel Carey with an elbow on the ground. You could see Carey having a lot of problems from that one shot, really hurt him. Yeah. And then that knockout, you know, he didn't even hit him with the fist. He clubbed him and hit him, you know, more with the side of his hand and his wrist area, but just put him unconscious yeah. the kids got power and I, I've, I've called him the iron-fisted matador since he yeah. does his little yeah. <laughs> his little olay thing yeah but man he's got power and he just needs to be smart and when he applies that power and how he applies it without sticking his chin out there to be touched by somebody everything that i saw in that fight showed me that he has progressed as an mma yeah. fighter training at Jackson Wink with those guys. Just keep doing what you're doing, and the wins will continue to mount up, and then eventually that world championship will be there for you. I want to see him work on checking kicks and keeping his hands in positions to make sure none of the kicks get through. He seemed a little all over the place a little bit this fight, uh, carry through a bunch of kicks, and he was able to block and, and uh, make sure none of them snuck through. But he looked like real rigid when someone kicked. He like flinched first before he blocked. So that just yeah. comes with more time, more practice. Yeah. That's all it is. But I just want to see him 
get that down. I really like the kid, and we've had him. We've I've had him on the podcast um, from before, and uh, he's a good kid. He's an extremely good kid. I love. He's a great kid. Um, super polite, super nice, respectful yeah. to everybody. Yeah, just a good, good young man. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's next for him, and uh, hey, we'll build him up from there. What um, about Raymond Daniels? Look pretty good. Yeah, I thought thirty nine years of age. Jeez, man, no idea how he's still doing it. That's insane. I mean, that guy, I swear, 39 years old, he still looks good, lean, ripped, can still bounce around like he's 22. I mean, just insane. It was crazy. Like, you see something, I, I, if I tried to do any of that shit he did, I'd be, I would have been gassed out like in the first two minutes. No way, man. No Tell way. Tell me about it. In shape or not. God. Like you, two you, minutes. I'd have gone 35 seconds yeah. doing what he did and I've been in. I've been over in the corner, put my hand on the cage going, I got a decent yeah. mirror. Just it would have been like Greg Hardy in the corner giving the oxygen. <laughs> where's, where, where's my hand inhaler? Where's my I need inhaler? my puffer. I need That's my so puffer. Funny. I thought I thought he looked good. What I what I look exactly like I said with Aaron Pico. I want to see things. I want to see things that show me you're progressing as an MMA fighter, yeah. not just with who you are and what got like what got you signed to the show. Like you, like with Aaron, it was because of his wrestling. We knew he had some boxing. We knew his credentials in wrestling. It was it was young, talented. We could work with that. And with Raymond Daniels, he's got ex- such extensive background in kickboxing, phenomenal. I mean, world champion for kick, uh, Bellator kickboxing. But you know, when you want to see them progress as MMA guys. And when I saw him jump into uh, King's guard and and start like, and when King started going for the leg lock, I was like, oh shit, it's over. And he grabbed yeah, the he body, saw him cup the head. Yep, saw him cup the head, pull the body close, yeah. and then that the common mistake for guys that are going for leg locks is to hold the position, and and then your face is not being start you know, taking yeah, shots. Start taking shots. We saw it with Ian Freeman years ago. I want to say with uh, Frank Mir. Frank Mir, you know, and um, that was you know Frank Mir held onto the leg lock too long, and Ian Freeman was able to to put him away in that position. And that's that's exactly what kind of what we saw with uh, King as well. So uh, I thought it was a good progression, small progressions for him. But at 39 years old, you know, we we have him there for a reason, just to put on a show. We know at yeah. 39 years old, he, he's not trying. I don't think he's trying to be world champion. Sure, maybe one day he'd like to have a title shot. But I got to tell you, man, the only fight to really ever make is him and MVP. I'm oh, telling yes. you. There you go. I'm hoping that fight happens real soon. It's, it's like if you can't put Steven Thompson and MVP together. Yep. Well, that's all right. We'll take the guy that beat Steven Thompson, Ray Daniels. Yep. And I know Steven puts out these, what, 57-0 and 0 in kickboxing, but he did lose to uh, Ray Daniels in Chuck Norris's WCL. Wow. I was watching it. I was there. So he did lose to him. That's so funny. I don't know what the 57-0 and 0 is, but that's a kickboxing competition. But um, it, Ray Daniels against MVP would be fun. Yes. And they're both, it would be fun. They're both the same way. Let's get it. Let's get it, Bellator. Yeah, no. Let's get it. Let's um, do it. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's call this a wrap. I think it's been two and a half hours. Uh, been a while. Just over two. You, you, you got that whole JRE thing going, man. Joe Rogan got <laughs> you used to doing those three-hour podcasts, man. Oh no, no. We we just had a lot. To, we had a lot to cover. There was so much to cover, and, and you know, and, and uh, you know, obviously the the loss of Kobe and his daughter. We talked about that. We don't normally have to talk about situations like that. So yeah. that you know, it was good. It was I think the whole. The whole weekend was a lot. A lot of things happened this weekend, and uh, it was a it was a good weekend to be there. And uh, we didn't touch base on any of the UFC stuff because we were working the same night, so we didn't get it. I didn't get a didn't chance. Watch I it. didn't get a Can't. chance to watch it. So I still haven't watched. It. I yeah, will. I, I'm gonna go back I, and watch I have it. Tape. Maybe we, maybe we can talk about it some maybe later this week or something like that. Okay. All right. 
All right, my man. Well, hey, thank you guys for tuning in. Please hit the subscribe button, share our videos, hit the thumbs up as well on in YouTube. That will share our videos to everyone else. And those of you guys that just started following us from JRE, um, our shows are not normally two and a half hours long or two. <laughs> so we usually do about an hour long show, and we, uh, you know, and we'll give you some tidbits on fights coming up and fights going back, as well as you know our own personal experiences with the show behind the scenes. And what I love about working with Big John McCarthy, let me explain to you one thing. The guy has the knowledge from all of the fights that he's ever worked, but not just as far as from a fighter's perspective, but also the perspective of from being a referee and dealing with commissions and understanding from the from picograms all the way to you know the you know eye pokes and early stoppages, late stoppages that refs handled. Those are things that myself I cannot speak from experience because I've never had picograms in my body. But <laughs> <laughs> John here, he can talk. He about, has that people no. grabs in his body. <laughs> okay, John, John can talk about all those things because he has such a great relationship with the with the commissions all across the United States. So I just wanted to give you guys a touch base. Thank you for joining us. If you guys are following us from the the JRE show, and uh, could, we'll continue to get better. If you will also, we opened up a fan question. We should do that maybe tomorrow. Maybe yeah, fan question tomorrow or the next day. Maybe we'll do fan questions and we'll answer all those and we'll get those busted out for you guys and uh, get your guys' response of what you guys would like to hear more about and uh, we'll go from there. What do you think, John? Sounds good. Sounds good. We also need a best of. Yes, we do. 2019's over. We got to do a best of. We got to do a best of for 2019 and we, uh, you know what we also need is we need to know what your top five worst stoppages are. Damn, why do you want to do that I to wanna, me? I want to do you dirty. Okay. <laughs> Dude, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the one I want to hear about. Uh, uh, I think it's good. I think I want, I like worse. Oh, maybe we shouldn't do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, do, well, you know what? Maybe we'll ask the fans what they want to hear. Look, you guys, thank you for joining us. Hit Follow us on Instagram on, what's it called? Instagram is Wayne and Show. And then also um, follow me at The Real Punk on Instagram and on Twitter. And then John McCarthy MMA, correct? Yep. Instagram and Twitter. Okay. And then hit the subscribe button on all of them. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all those things as well. So please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube. That will share our videos to everyone. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We're out.